Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a doctor and a lawyer walk into a podcast. I'm your North Texas attorney, Sean. It is August the 18th, 2023, and I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Blom. Dr. Blom, how are you? Hello, Sean Esquire. Hello, everyone. So good to be here. So good to see Sean Esquire's beautiful face. Happy to be here as always, and super excited about everything that we have coming up on this episode. Also, we've got uh, some great beer talk going, and I'm just I'm just excited head to toe. Yeah, your mic looks different today. You can yeah, tell everybody uh, had a little breakage. You know, they don't make those dumb uh, those filter things. They just that's how they get you. They put it together with uh, glue and honey, and it's like Yarn. oh, hope it, oh, snap. Maybe I think possibly last episode was so explosive and mm. so just revealing. Awe inspiring. We had a lot of people. They use that phrase, awe inspiring. Either it just shattered the realms of the mic itself. The the physical properties of the mic could not handle the amount of awesomeness that we bring. Or what I think happened. I think probably CIA got into my house in the middle of the night and they're like, "Ha ha! This is stopping you. Now you're going to be popping peas and just <laughs> losing <laughs> listeners left and right." Like, ah, oh, I like this show. Before he was popping all the peas all the time. That's, that's right. how that, that's how that's how it starts, right? They put like a little little cyanide on my mic to to like get to me. Like, all right, I'm sorry, CIA, that I stumbled upon too many revelations for one episode. Yeah. You know what? Sorry, sorry, not sorry, Sean Esquire. We are we're here to embrace the truth and love and everything else. What do you have going on your end? Um, nothing. I know. Uh, oh, no, your uh, mic's not broken. I know, Mike. Mike Bragg. Oh, my mic's not broken. Yeah, I got a I got a kid's brag though. The uh, the kiddo made the volleyball team for mm. her school today. So that is awesome. She's been in uh, every day. Those was back to school week, first week back to school. So she had to be there like six forty five, and <sighs> till till eight forty five is when the first period starts. So she was there two hours early, Monday through Friday. I think it was it was over a hundred and thirty or one hundred and twenty girls tried out for 34 spots and uh found out this afternoon she's on the roster so that's awesome man and also good for you for uh getting an indoor sport as, mm -hmm. you know so you're gonna you're gonna not be able to sleep in on a lot of saturdays because you got a kid in, in a sport and that happens but you my friend you got yourself a nice air-conditioned sport so that's smart all around yeah. indoor good, good gymnasiums choice. strong so, choice there yeah you can that's a life that. lesson for everybody out there Make get sure your you kids to do sports. indoor sports guys it's 108 degrees outside like nobody like you don't want to be that supportive of a parent like, <laughs> sitting in your air-conditioned car you're doing great so <laughs> you're, you're doing fantastic so every, most everyone loves their kids but not enough to sit out in 108 degree weather for three hours so yeah. right i feel um, i feel bad for all of the, the the band kids my mm -hmm. daughter goes out with a band kid at the university and they were explaining how, um, especially the month Ooh, leading the marching up to college. Band? Oh yeah, they they you're, are. You're in that really... whole like uniform that's heavy mm -hmm. and thick. Yeah, they have that the weird British hats or whatever it is. The whole situation. So, yeah, the uh, the band kids they're not uh they're not the big nerds that you think they are. Or at least in this day and age, you gotta you gotta bring it with the drums and the saxophones and the tuba guy. Oh my God, let's give it up for the uh, for the tuba kids. You gotta carry that thing around with holding the... a giant metal heat rod in a hundred degree heat. <laughs> the regalia, you got the whole regalia going there, yeah. and the giant heat rod. <laughs> What's going on with those kids? I assume they have 
third degree burns on their hands and they just have like a Vietnam mentality. Pay through, gotta pay, play through the pain. Exactly. They're, they're playing through the pain way more than the actual football guys. Exactly. Well, let's get into follow-up. You've got a pretty big list to follow-up. I have a decent list to follow up pretty, you know, could be, could be more follow, could be more up. Uh, just a couple of quick space facts that we talked about last couple episodes, staying on top of some space stuff. Uh, follow for, there's been 563 astronauts, 62 of those are women. So there you go. You know, okay. 62 is better than 60. None. 30 lives lost in space flight or space training. So we're looking at about a 5% mortality rate. Uh, I think that's when you look at all of the astronauts, like you leave Earth, not everyone in the program, you know, I'm on, I'm on the astronaut program. Like, have you left Earth? And you're, you're, I mean, you're kind of in the program. Right. Then there's... Were you Buzz the, Aldrin and studied an astronaut, Dix? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then got yourself a, a young uh, Rob in the Cradle with a 63-year-old. Yeah. When you're 93, you're like, I better settle down. Uh, yeah. Even though she works in his company, like, you know. Yeah, I didn't want to say dipping the pin in the company mm-hmm. ink, but mm-hmm. you know he's ninety three. Whatever, it's his company. He can uh, he can marry <laughs> he can whoever he wants. Do what he wants to do. <laughs> and um, money wise, world spends something like sixty two billion, um, and then twenty one point five billion of that around there is uh, is the U S. supposedly. I don't know if I believe any of those numbers, especially when it comes to government spending tax dollars. So those I are thought it'd be a lot more than that. Honestly, it's got to be a lot more than that. Absolutely. Well, okay. For the U.S., there are when they do the budget. I can tell you one thing that I know because it gets very tricky. Whenever they do anything kind of nuclear, like the mm-hmm. nuclear sub program and things like that, it becomes a different. What do you call it? A dog ear for the uh, the budgetary committees. When something is nuclear. So if you're going to put something nuclear in space, it's not going to be completely under the space budget, blah, blah, gotcha. blah. They have, they have like nuclear. Pentagon budget or. You know, they they take one budget. thing and they call it another and they say, oh, it's a $400 hammer. What are you going to do? I mean, that's how, you know, that's how the U.S. does it. So. All this boils back to tax. No, I'm not getting on taxes. I got, I got it on. <laughs> blood, blood is boiling, but I'm in a happy place today. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay, stay happy place. I didn't want to get you on a rant yet. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Just, just a minute. I only, I threw like one heart attack there for a second. The other, other heart attacks will have to wait. We've got uh so on the numbers online they said something the world's been sixty two billion on space missions and US is around twenty one point five billion of that. And I think they just threw in for shits and giggles. They said, Oh, it's thirty four billion to solve uh, global hun- hunger. Which oh. I, I don't believe that either. I don't I I don't know where they landed on thirty four billion to solve global hunger. I know not that long ago that Elon had thrown out a thrown out a hey you tell me how to how to solve global hunger, and I'll do it. Because somebody said, "Oh, if he only spent two million of his uh, two billion of his billions, or five billion of his bill, whatever dumb number they said, they said, oh, he'll he'll solve hunger for the U.S. if nothing else.'" And then he said, "Okay, how?" And just threw threw it out there, and like then nobody got back to him. So they, I think they can do it for a year, but then you have the next year to worry about. So right. yeah, we can take a billion and feed everyone for the next year. And then the year's done and then people are still hungry and whatever's going on that uh, food's not coming in for them. So who knows? Anyway, those are some of the numbers that I got. These are obviously governments dealing with tax money. So we take all like anything that we report from news agencies or they just take it with a grain of salt. Just thought I threw that out there. I've got some 
and I promise we're going to not do this forever. You got a little bit of, I say Oppenheimer, just a overall Manhattan Project follow-up. Shannon Esquire, I know you're excited. Oh, what? Little Boy Fat Man? Little Boy Fat Man. Yeah, we didn't cover. Great band. (laughs) It's a two-man band. Well, it's a boy and a man. Well, I mean, you had like one little boy versus four fat fat men. Fat men. That would be good, you know, or two. There's a ratio there that it would think it would it would work out pay-per-view wise. I don't know about crimes against humanity wise. So the little boy fat man, fat man, obviously two two very different bombs. A lot of people seem to think that it's just thrown in there together. And then before I before I get too off topic, I am ninety percent sure that we said the date for today's episode. As I'm, yeah, I did. I did. Like, oh, nailed it. And then also before I get too far ahead of myself, sorry. Also, just super excited. Uh, any questions, comments, whatever. Anytime you can email us, doc d o c law podcast at gmail.com or we're also on the Twitter, formerly formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at doc. DOC Law Podcast. Dot That's Twitter. It. That's it. I don't, I don't oh, think just, there's a dot. It's just Doc Law Podcast on gotcha. the X. All right, just throwing that on the out platform, there. formerly known as Twitter. Getting getting more uh, emails and then and more followers, and so just want to say thank you for everyone. And and as always, write in. Fat man, little boy. Fat man was uh, Nagasaki. That's August 9, 1945. Little boy was Hiroshima, August six, and. So they, they are actually, they're different bombs in terms of what they do. Fat Man was something like 10,300 pounds. There was about 120 of those that were made. And the Fat Man model, the make and model, I don't know what they would call it. It was about <laughs> like 100, 120. It's like the you know Corolla the, of the you know, atomic bombs. You know when the nuclear <laughs> car salesman comes out, he's like, oh, this is a, this is a fat boy. They, you know, they made 120 of these. This is... This is uh, this will get you. This will get you there. So the the fat man, they made about 120 of those. They retired those in 1950. We'll get into why, or at least why they made 120 of them. The a little boy is so little. It's only uh, 9,600 pounds. Nine nine thousand seven hundred pounds, and they only made 33 of those. The other unsung heroes in the story of uh, Japan, Oppenheimer, all of it. Uh, was the Boeing B-29 Super Fortress. I definitely went down this rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. This thing's a beast. It's an amazing chunk of machinery. Come on, man. This is a Boeing. U.S. <laughs> US made. This is fantastic. The uh, the one for the Hiroshima uh, bombing was Enola Gay. Strange name. Yeah. What's Where the did name Enola... after? Yeah, Enola Gay was actually named after Colonel Paul tibbets his uh his mom oh his nickname was enola gay so that you know when you roll into battle and you're gonna drop this bomb that kills thousands and thousands of people you're like i'm naming my airplane after my mom mm. so oh wait his mom's name was enola gay his he named the b-29 bomber the b-29 super fortress again super awesome super fortress yeah so the b-29 super fortress was named after colonel paul tibbets mom enola gay that is a strange name it is a strange name i think so enola i have never known any never, enolas i don't know any so enolas i'll be looking be looking up a good old enola gay and yeah i don't know if do you think the guys on the plane were just like 
Name the plane after your mom. Name the plane after your mom. He's a colonel, but <laughs> I bet it was more like, "What should I name it?" And someone's like, "Your mom." And then he said, "Okay." <laughs> and Nola Gay, it I, is. I will. I will name it after Molly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No one was like, um, "Like, um, hey, uh, name it after your dad." He's like, mm, "No, no, no." Dad wasn't around so much. I'm not going to name it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know so, who he is. The the fat man, uh, he was, uh, I think also fat man was also known as Mark four. No, no, no. You know what? I take that back. The fat man was Mark three and it was eventually superseded by Mark four, uh, fat man and little boy. Both. They were named by a student from Oppenheimer named Robert Serber. And he got the fat man name after this fat guy in the Maltese Falcon, famous old novel, famous old movie. And then a little boy. I thought it was named oh, after some Marvel comic. He was a fat, huge fan of the fat man comic books. Fat Marion. Yeah. You know, you know, like the fat boys or this, this great uh, rap trio out of the eighties. Anybody in the eighties rap rap boys. Fat they man a was a predecessor to Batman for all those. Had a series of well, yeah, it was different weight requirements back in the old days. You know, you'd be fat and they were just like, that guy is buff. They didn't know any better. He's got money. He can yeah. eat. Fat. That's that's how it was in the Renaissance. In the Renaissance, yeah. they, they, people were dying from uh, Yersinia pestis and Black Plague. And, and, and if you made it to be fat, people were just like, oh, wow, he, that guy. You can involved. afford quality food. If you were fat in the 1600s, that's like the rap guys now with the 15 gold chains. And they the Rolls Royce, top of the line. That's the same. You, they didn't have a, they didn't have a Rolex back then. You would just pack on four hundred pounds, and people would go, "Whoa, all right." He doesn't have to wait behind the velvet rope at the yeah. club in the sixteen hundreds. What's Goes his right HDL in, score? Gets the <laughs> gets bottle service right away. Sixteen hundreds. So, yeah, the little boy was a uh, was named from uh, was old detective novel novel so little boy was actually original originally was named the thin man so they were also named on kind of how they looked the bombs themselves and how they operated by and large i mean fat uh fat boy fat man i can't <laughs> don't combine them fat man it looked if you see the pictures of it it looked like before, a fat man before it was exploded into before it was vaporized the fat fat man kind of looked like a like a fat man and little boy was, well, like I said, originally named Thin Thin Boy. It was uh, kind of long and slender. Something that that kind of worked out was that the Air Force used these names. The, these were the code names. So when they spoke on the phone and stuff, they were like, "Oh, uh, Fat Man, blah blah blah, Little Boy, whatever." They, they were using these as interchangeably. And uh, the fat <laughs> can you imagine uh, the Japanese getting the radio communication? They're like, "We've thrown the little boy out the plane." They're like, the hell? Yeah, the Air Force guys, were when they would talk about it on the phone, they were disguising the conversation as modifying a plane for FDR, mm -hmm. thin, thin Man, and mm -hmm. Churchill, Fat Man. Tough for you. Ah. I mean, Ch Churchill, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was really uh, not doing a lot of crunches back then. Churchill was, he liked, he liked he cigars. Liked he really liked the booze. He just, he just loved life, man. He was dealing with Hitler, you know? Who cares about doing crunches when you're trying to probably drinking him. crappy beer he liked uh he liked i don't know i think he liked whiskey i know he liked the booze for sure he had a famous quote about some lady said sir you are drunk 
And then he said, Madam, I may be drunk, but tomorrow I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. He had, he had a few. <laughs> he had a few. Churchill I know has. I, yeah. And you drink whiskey when you're in England because their beer is not good. So it mm. makes total sense to me. We have uh, we have, we have some things to discuss, British friends, regarding <laughs> beer and 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 you name it. So, little boy, what originally thin man, he came from uh, the I say he the name came from detective novels by this guy Dashiell Hammett, and uh, again the uh, Oppenheimer's student was a fan of that. Robert Serber was a fan, so that's where he pulled those names. Now, breaking down the actual little boy and fat man, little boy was a uranium bomb. And it was uh, it was a gun type fission. So little boy was uranium two thirty five. The fat man was really the two point Was a, it was the I say the better of the two bombs. I mean better in terms of destruction and dependability. And there's a reason why they built one hundred and twenty fat men and only something like thirty something thirty three thirty three little little men little boys little boys little little boys. <laughs> little, little boys. Sounds yeah, crazy. So. The uh, they only they only uh, got with thirty three little boys back then. That was pretty good, pretty good numbers <laughs> for what was going on tax dollar wise. They and then the uh, another unsung hero in this though, I don't think it he gets little to no press was the the gadget we talk about. Sean Esquire told me this is a three hour long movie. You're gonna drink some beer when you go see the movie. When you first see the gadget. And that's that's your your bathroom break for the movie. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's a good bathroom break area. Thank you, Sean Esquire, for for the heads up on that. The gadget was not really the gadget. I mean, the gadget was called the Christie gadget. So it's named it's named after this guy Christie, and he's the one that did all the math and the calculations to figure out the implosion, the explosion implosion that these explosions yeah. had had to be synchronized and everything. However, that being said. Little boy didn't use the implosion explosion variation. They went with a, a gun type fission. So little boy has this gun basically to to make an atomic bomb. You have to have a, a neutron, a proton, sorry, a proton that fires in and then it creates the whole chain reaction. So it just starts with that. Which, by the way, there's a there's a whole library of Congress of information regarding isotopes, plutonium. Uranium. I got into a lot of that. I'm going to save you all of that. Uh, it's very interesting if you are science guy, science person. But uh, if for for our purposes, no reason to get crazy involved in that. The plutonium was actually a plutonium gallium alloy. So for the little boy, it's a gun type fission that fires the slug into the material so that you can make the chain reaction. Boom, 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 boom. And the uh, the slug itself was uranium, so they're taking a uranium slug, fire firing it uh, into the rest of the uranium. And the slug itself was fifty five pounds, fifty six pounds slug. If you get into the history of, I say the history, the history and the procurement of plutonium, uranium, especially in the forties, it's insane. The it, the amount of mines involved and people involved and everything just to get. You know, on Oppenheimer, the movie, when they first start the, the I say the Manhattan Project, the St. Alamo, the uh, New Mexico. Los Alamos. Los Alamos. Thank you very much. They have that scene where they're just showing, hey, we have this much uranium and we have this much plutonium and they have the jar with the marbles. Oh, That's yeah. what they were doing. 
that's what they were doing. They were like, they were like, Hey, it's the 1940s. We don't know. Number one, we can kind of get uranium plutonium out of the mines. Uh, but then once we get it, then you have to process it. You have to get it down to the right isotope. You have to figure out how fast is it going to degrade, you know, heaven forbid that the, the bomb comes a dud or the bomb does a preemptive firing and all these other things. So the amount of science calculations, mathematicians involved just between the uranium, the particular isotope, the 235 and the plutonium, everything is for me, it's crazy impressive. It's, it's, it's amazing the amount of people involved just to figure out this is overall. And then once you go that route, then you have to figure out metal, metal ergy. Oh yeah, you know, metal, 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 metallurgy, metallurgy, metallurgyologist, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened but, with. Uh, and what our listeners don't know, we basically have that same number of staff on this podcast for helping us mm -hmm. try to put this together. People, there's a mine scientist, and then there's a processing factory over here, and then this guy talks to that guy, and so yeah, with uh with the fat boy, the fat man, fat man, fat man, fat man, yes. So this, they used plutonium on the fat man, and this was the implosion bomb, not the not the gun bomb. And then so, the when you say plutonium, it's plutonium gallium That's what you see in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not if it's just pure plutonium, then it's gonna it's way too unstable. And then there's different. There's like an alpha plutonium and a beta plutonium, and then they have to land on the right one that won't fall apart at room temperature and everything else. So they do this alloy they make a plutonium gallium alloy and again this is this is the fat man this is the the 2.0 of the first bomb and then they they hot press that into a sphere and the plutonium erodes pretty quickly so the sphere has to be covered in nickel so you have the alloy itself and then you have to put nickel around it otherwise you know bad things happen and the other thing was that the back then probably also now plutonium uh plutonium was much more plentiful than the uranium so that's another reason why they made 120 of the fat man and only 33 of the, of the little boys. Another thing is the little boy, they didn't really test it. So in Oppenheimer, the, the bomb on at Trinity at Los Alamos, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's an, in, that's an that's fat, yeah, that, that is the fat man implosion plutonium <sighs> bomb with, with little boy. I couldn't really see very clear demarcation on how and why and everything. My thought was on little boy, they were very certain that it was going to work with the technology. And they also, it was the first one. So if it didn't, if it didn't go off, they knew for a fact that they had already done the implosion technology out in New Mexico. <clears throat> so I think that yeah. to me, that makes that, that makes the most sense. So those are the two big breakdowns. The little boy, far less, I say far less powerful. It was less powerful than Fat Man, but it killed more people. It did more damage only because the Hiroshima was um, very more flat. populated. Oh. Yeah, so it's denser and it's also the terrain. The terrain yeah. for Hiroshima is was much flatter than Nagasaki and Sean Esquire. If it wasn't flat before the bomb, then uh, it was all right, after. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know the uh, other useful thing with plutonium is it will take you back in time. Mm -hmm. I've learned that you put it Did in it a flux in capacitor, you gun it to 88, and you go back to whatever date you put in the computer. I'd say at least 88. In in uh, in the event that you don't have a heck of a lot of plutonium. 
you can try for the uh, giant clock, downtown clock, in the yeah. downtown square. You can try that get option. Get a lightning storm. You know, uh, get a big yeah. hook. That's an option. Not a lot. Of, not everybody has plutonium laying around. So right. that's just FYI. That's my PSA for you. That's a gift, my, my gift to the world. China Square is little boy and uh, Fat Man. Fat Man is the is that the biggest bomb in the history of, of bombs? That is not. Other than that time that that guy from Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore tried to do a comedy. Other than that, <laughs> other than that bomb. Other, other than that bomb, no. Um, Russia built one, a big one, called the the Czar bomb. T S A R. Not, not a car, C- not a car bomb. They didn't not, call it car bomb. Not C Z A R either. Not like a czar. It's oh, a, not like the drug czar. Tsar. Tsar. Yeah. They've only ever tested one of them, but it was massive. Like how massive is massive? Very big. <laughs> very big sounds sounds great. So I, I think was... what would they say? It was um if you put all the munitions or ex- I guess explosives from World War II. So think of all the landmines, bombs dropped over, you know, France, Germany, Poland. Black cats, sparklers. Put it into a giant bin and then multiply that times 10. That's what the czar bomb is. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a hydrogen bomb also that... I think that they touched on that on Oppenheimer briefly about the atom bomb versus the hydrogen bomb. Yeah, he didn't want to build it. The old thermonuclear. The SAR, the SAR SAR Bomba, that was a 1960s. That's the Latin one. That comes from Central America. SAR Bomba? It's a a, lovely dance. It's a dance craze. It's sweeping the nation. It is blowing up for sure. The SAR Bomba, 1961. I don't even know the blast radius of this thing, but it was, I think it was enough. Okay. So two things. One is obviously insanely the the biggest explosion in the history of humankind of anything that humans have made. But the other thing I would say, and I just want to say thank you to 1961 Soviets. They didn't feel the need to drop it on anyone, a populated area. Yeah. They felt the need to drop it where there were no people at all. But fish. Nice. <laughs> it was it was the uh, the Bering Sea, yeah. Yeah, they killed a bunch of fish. Might maybe some polar bears up there. Some whales. Is it in the Arctic Circle above the Arctic Circle? Something. Uh, um, well, it depends. The Earth is flat, right? So it's somewhere hmm. up in the northern part of the map, the flat map. I hope it didn't take out any lizard people. Illuminati lizard people were very, I'm very just, scary. I know the earth isn't flat for everybody who's going to send hate mail. It's in the letters. It's, letter. it's, it's an octagon shape. I know. Maybe. It's a wheel within a cog within a it's wheel. It's octa- so, spherical octagon. The Soviets, to their credit, 1961 Soviets, and the Soviets, to their credit, did not feel the need to drop their, I don't know Sorry. how many... The, so the the SAR Bomba, it was like 10 Nagasaki's or 10 Hiroshima's or... I don't even... Doing, a lot. Right. Many. More than one, for sure. So Many, uh, many yeah. fat boys. They just did it where they could show it to the U.S. and the world and say, hey, look what we made. Just mm-hmm. think about that. 
just think about that. We're just going to, you can watch the footage and it's not fake. And so there's ways to show people that you have unlocked the secrets With, of the atom without destroying without and killing hundreds killing of thousands of, people. thousands of people and women and children. And yeah, there's, exactly. there's ways to do it. You could have dropped that out there in the Pacific and just been, here you mm -hmm. go, Japan. Do you Many want this on you? Many options. Correct. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, a thousand percent. I had mentioned on previous episode, I, I blank on names sometimes, you know, when you're thinking about a movie or well, one movie I blanked on was the uh, Starship Troopers. I'll throw that out. I landed on Chuds, so I stand by that, that oh, I landed yeah, on probably Starship the well, I talked about the, we don't know what's under the Mars Beatles. And, and then I was like, oh, the Beatles from space. And I landed on, I landed on Chuds and I stand by that, but it was, you know, start. But the other thing I did I also blanked on the Japanese suicide ceremony thing, that whole thing. And by the way, I knew somewhere in the back of my brain, I, I knew the, the kind of name of it, but I didn't know if it was politically correct. So I think that maybe I apologize to everyone if this has become this is the Japanese translation. Sorry, Samurais. Take, take <laughs> Going to get so much hate mail from the Samurais. So, yeah, there's seppuku, seppu, seppuku, seppuku, right? That's probably it. I don't know where yeah, to put the Z. Put the, it's got a Z at the end. Seppuku, probably the end. And then uh, there's also, there's harikari, which is harikari is what I, what I was thinking of. So the harikari itself, that's the actual shoving the blade into the belly and he, uh, he gave, oh i'm sad that we lost the war i'm gonna make everything better by killing myself i don't know whatever they're sad about there's <laughs> i almost don't want to bring it up <laughs> there's a south park episode where the chinese guy makes fun of the japanese guy and he, and he just goes oh look at me i'm japanese i'm always sad and killing myself <laughs> it's just it's so horrible that this chinese guy is making fun of the japanese guy but, we don't have any yeah, Japanese listeners, so it's, we, you know, we welcome you. Come on, we're we're uh, we're, we're friendly. Come on, Japan. Come, come on in. The water's fine. So yeah, there's the seppuku, which I think is the the whole ceremony. I don't know if they light candles and burn incense and you know turn on some goth music and turn on the cure. It's seppuku time. Uh, and then there's the actual the harikari. You shove the do special they, blade do you in think there. They do it like right when they're like on the battlefield and know that they've lost or it's they've lost and they get back home and then depression sets in oh, so, and much, then, so much shame. And then that's when they have to do the uh, Harry carry. Yeah, I think it kind of varies depending on how much of the battle was blown, you know. Or like how much they were to blame because they have you know middle if you're if you're just a lowly private in the samurai army or whatever i don't know how they do their ranks and then uh, the, the colonel you know he colonel is going to be first one to just uh oh whatever he says i won't do japanese uh <laughs> shoves it. you know on the the captain goes down with the ship or right. the head samurai goes into the blade so he has that yeah. So they have the actual, the Harikari's of the the special blade in there, special blade. And then, uh, I don't know, it's probably one of those blades you see at like two in the morning on the infomercials. And they're like, do you have a knife that cuts other knives? I'm like, I don't. They're like, <laughs> why don't you? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, this knife cuts pennies. <laughs> like, I just want a knife to cut tomatoes, man. Do I need a knife that cuts other knives? I'm like, yes. yes. Like, 
all right, give me the credit card. It's 2 a.m. I'll buy it. Get one for free. <laughs> when you are you a sad Japanese person, you need the sharpest of the sharp for this thing. So, <laughs> the harikari is the act of the disembowelment. And then seppuku is the ritual. Like I said, I don't know how much incense or whatever is involved in there. And then the ritual would also involve decapitation after the act as a sign of mercy. So the Harikari... Yeah, I was going to say, okay, you being the medical doctor here, if you were to stick yourself in the stomach and cut upwards, like, are you dying from blood loss? Are you going to cut a lung? Like... No, if you're going, you're going straight middle, you're going aorta, which, you know, biologically, like human physiology, you nick that aorta, you got a, about a minute before you bleed out. Wait, but so you said that, they're sticking themselves in the stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the abdominal aorta is right there. That oh, is a main. I thought that was the heart. Is, like the there's valve. a main, there's a main vessel. Yeah. So the aorta is the main blood highway taking blood to the body. Okay. Right? So if you if you nick that guy uh, in any or heaven if you sever it, you're gonna maybe make it a minute, about a minute before you you bleed out, you bleed into your gut. Your How do heart you even will know be. That? Where, where is that at in your stomach? So like, the it runs in the, the middle of it or it runs like around it. It goes down the stomach, and then just right around the navel area. Then it'll oh. split. And then, and then there's the legs, and uh, there's actually so they stuck themselves renal, in the belly button and cut up your renal artery. Yeah, and you have other vasculature there. You have major vessels that feed the gut themselves. So there's the mesenteric. So people talk about like there's a heart attack, plain Jane heart attack. There's also something called a heart attack of the gut, like mesenteric ischemia. So that's where you get the clot. That's where you get the the heart attack. So the mesenteric vasculature basically feeds. The, the abdomen, the, um, like the GI tract, oh. <laughs> not so much the cavity, just the, yeah, me, the, the mesenteric vasculature feeds the, the foregut, you know, so you're talking about small intestine, that area, and then, and then it keeps going. So any arterial bleed or cut, I mean, people talk about, oh, the, the, um, the jugulars, sure, mm-hmm. in the neck, yeah, if you get pretty much anything in the neck, you're going to bleed to death, but arterial bleeds are you see them in movies they're very dramatic and there's blood that sprays oh, across like you get the room. shot in the gut and yeah you get so how long are you living like a 90 seconds our, for a for a aortic yeah like they just full-on take out the aortic full-on full on bleed now a minute if that wow. i mean so you have you have a reserve of blood that's in the brain i say a reserve how is that enough to keep you conscious for a minute the heart's going to stop the heart will be overwhelmed immediately and you'll just you'll just bleed out because that's the main that's the main blood highway is the aorta. So okay. like a thoracic aorta aneurysm, that's the aorta coming off of the heart to feed the body the entire body blood. You get a burst aneurysm there, you're dead a, a minute if that. So, wow. so abdominal, I, wonder how, I wonder how long they were taking on the harikaris in because if you're sticking yourself there and going up, like you got a minute. Anyways, I don't know the technique. I assume they go, they go, I think they jab it in. Like if you're right-handed, right? So you're right-handed. So you're jabbing it in to left upper quadrant. So there's, there's pancreas over there. So you're right-handed, you're jabbing it in left upper quadrant of the abdomen, and then you're 
diving and across. So over you want to across the chest? I think, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I if thought they, it was like middle up. Middle up, middle up is tough because you're going to hit the the breastplate. Not like not like chest, like stuff like above the belly button. Right. If you go if you go straight in belly button and then you go up, you're just going to hope that you get the abdominal aortic abdominal aorta right there, right mm-hmm. for stab. But if you, you know, you got right, your right, right, right handy, you jab it, left upper quadrant, pull across, you're getting, you're getting abdominal aorta, you're getting the mesenteric vasculature, you're getting, you're getting liver for sure. You're going to get all the, the portal, the portal venous vasculature there. I didn't even so know liver that is, if you just liver on the right upper quadrant, you, j- you jab that guy in there. And, uh, and then you're, you're fully committed. Like, I am super sad, Japanese. I'm ready. I'm into this seppuku, <laughs> seppuku thing. It's time It's time for seppuku. Uh, there's no stalling, by the way. If you half-ass, like, it's in there. Gotta pull it, <laughs> gotta pull it over. <laughs> if you just kind of get in. What did I do? <laughs> oh, no. Save me. <laughs> Too late. Just Let me just cut your head off. You have a knife stuck. You didn't drive it across your belly. You, you just, just jab it in. You got to commit, man. <laughs> if you just jab it in there, you get it like two inches in. You're like, ow, 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 ow. No, 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 no. You know what? It's going to be okay. Now I have a bad wound, but maybe not a terminal wound. Maybe, maybe I'll come around on this. So everyone, I have, I apologize. Let's let's put away the separate you know group, everyone. I'm- I'm glad we covered that though, because you know it's a doc law podcast, and we don't get a lot of medical talk on here. So now we know how I try to. Die. I try to avoid it. I don't want to hear the lawsuits, and you know somebody's going to send an angry email like, "I tried seppuku like Doctor <laughs> Blom said so, and it didn't go well." And now- <laughs> no, wait, wait. To be fair, the second part of this was your friend has to decapitate you. Right. So. I don't know if this is a just a show of um of Mercy. uh well yeah so number one like okay can you just make sure like when I get done with this horrible thing will you just cut off my head just just to make just to make sure just to make sure that like, I, I the only closed casket yeah you know I don't want and then I guess people would say well he did he did seppuku seppuku and people were like oh that's sad I'm like well yeah but somebody <laughs> I play cut, somebody... Sudoku every week. Somebody cut his head off, and they're like, "Oh, he had a friend. He had a he had the kind okay. of friend that would take his head off." He wasn't that you know, depressed. That you're just worried, but then then that drives the question. Somewhere in the history of seppuku, seppuku, that some people did it so bad that they're like, "Hey, hey, hey! From now on, we have the seppuku <laughs> where you jab, where you jab it. <laughs> we have it just just." You know, we've had some seppukus go wrong, everyone. So from now on, when we do seppukus, let's just jab that knife in there and just get it. Get try to get that aorta. That's what that's the goal, everyone. And then just to play it safe. We'll have you know BFF come by, chop your head off. We've had some seppukus where you're just laying there bleeding for a week, and you're like, <laughs> oh man, I really wish I had that in case of emergency break decapitation glass policy. So. <laughs> Uh, Japan. Well, I'm very sorry, and and anyone, you know, we we make. I think doctors have plenty of dark humor. We try to make light of them. situations. So please, everyone, uh, when we laugh at these things, it's it's not funny when you get into the details. But the bigger part, come on, it's it's ridiculous. But also, I'm happy 
that I think even in this day and age, Japanese people are like, seppuku, that's that's crazy. That's dumb. Like no one is that I know of. I'm going to assume that there's I've, not a lot of seppuku I haven't seppuku known anybody that is, has died by seppuku. Almost, almost never am I working a shift and a seppuku rolls into the ED, into the emergency room. Very, right. very rarely do I have to have a sit down with the family and say, hey, this is um, this is what's going on. Like he's brought in with uh, Sudoku and uh, they're like, Dr. Blom, what are you going to do? And you're like, I've got to cut his head off. That's... I'm going to I'm going to just probably assume Medicaid, Medicare does not pay for the yeah. seppuku, the coverage. So there's there's also that uh, he, I'm not going to give him English beer because that's terrible. But we'll get into that later. It's foreshadowing. Having a slow, having a slow, slow roll, slow roll on the on the English beer. Uh, what do you got, Spider Man spinach? <laughs> that was good. So, yeah, like we talk about, sometimes you blink on something. On the previous episode, I had made. Sometimes you make a joke and you don't deliver. On you just put it in there. I have a very dry sense of humor sometimes, so sometimes I'll just say something on the fly not really deliver it like <laughs> it's a joke everyone so if you didn't catch last episode that i had said oh you know it's like spider-man when you eat spinach that is a very old old reference to popeye eating spinach i don't know if spider-man eats spinach that's a very involved joke first of all you're probably not 25 years old if someone's making a popeye the spinach man joke mm-hmm. yep and then uh who knows what what spider-man eats or how he gets so strong so you know, I don't feel like explaining the joke, everyone. It was okay. a joke. I don't want to explain every joke. Yeah. You get iron from spinach, right? <laughs> well, folic acid, you know, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, it was it was a very obscure reference to Popeye and eating spinach and getting strong. I can't even remember in what what was the actual lead up to that, but if people had said I we did get some I got some follow up from some fans and I said, Spider-Man spinach, what is that? Either either one, I got, what the hell is that? Or two, I got, hey, man, it's not Popeye. Like, I yeah. know. I'm I'm aware. Okay, so Spider-Man does not eat spinach. Well, he might. Who knows? Well, and then uh, the there's, there's also, uh, I had very quickly said, hey, I don't know the difference between a duke and an archduke. I don't know what this whole thing is. So apparently the archduke is. I told you, one bends. It's a, it's a, it's an Austrian thing pretty much purely Austrian. So the the world of nobility, and as Americans, Chen Esquire and I, don't really care about your royal no, bloodline. We don't bullshit. have a monarch here. Well, we, no, 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 no. We, we want to succeed in America. You need blood, sweat, and tears, my friend. None of That's that right. uh, blue blood. None of that blue blood shit here, except for the vast majority of our presidents have uh, <laughs> links to right? all of them, except all for the Supreme Court went to The guy with Harvard. the sideburn. All of the all of the Elvis? presidents have a uh, have a link to the blue bloods of the Brits, except for it was uh, Chester Garfield or one of the, one of those. There's literally only one or two out of all of our presidents ever. So the Archduke thing is really not a not a thing. It's the Austrians. But here's one uh, one thing I found out through all of that: the titles of nobility, the Archduke, and all of that. In, any kind of any kind of nobility king queen whatever in austria they're done with it they said if you are an austrian and you're trying to go by some stupid nobility duke archduke whatever you no we're going to call you frank your name is frank that's what you're <laughs> going to go by now if you're not from austria and you're royalty then you're they're going to respect that and if you're whatever you're trying to do in austria so the austrians this is a law they made by the way 2000 uh, i'm saying uh 
it might be 1919, not 2019, a law on a abolishing of nobility. The Austrians said, nope, we're done with that. So that's yeah. it. Good on that. Sorry if it's, I can't remember. I'm sorry. It's 2019 or 1919. I just wrote 19. I might've been. Sorry, I was Brits. Doing, following doing your like, nobility. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. So they'll honor, the Austrians will honor the British king and queen and things like that. But as far as if you're, if you're Austrian and you're in Austria and you're saying, excuse me, I'm a Duke. They're like, nope. your name <laughs> is Frank. Shut up. Yeah, good so on them. I unlocked the mystery of Duke and uh, Archduke and, uh, and you're welcome, everyone. Shannon Esquire, I think that more or less covers... Uh, oh, you know what? A quick follow-up on uh, Machine Gun. Do you want to hear about Machine Gun? Just because I had said last time about First Machine Gun. First Machine Gun, well, I say the Machine Gun was invented by Hiram Stevens Maxim, uh, invented in 1884. So just it's it's a good historical reference because we had talked about World War One. And so, obviously, the machine gun had been around leading up to World War One. I. I don't know how much, uh, how many were purchased by the United States government, things like that. So, All just to get in, right, <laughs> we have a world war to worry about. We need to get into all of them. It was the Maxim Maxim gun, gun like the magazine Maxim. Featured Is that even one around the, anymore? It's probably like in uh, history museums and things like that. Yeah. One of the earliest recoil operated firing systems. And the I think the early one, something 550 to 600 rounds per minute. And it had a feeding system of 250 rounds with a canvas belt. So that's the, I had kind of just briefly touched on first machine gun. So that's it. We've got some more gun talk coming at you later on this episode foreshadowing. Okay. China Spar, um, I'm going to take a quick break before we get into this next uh, this be, next round. Huge, huge things. Very excited. Beer talk. And, uh, get your nitro can ready. Everyone, get your get your beers ready because we got some we got some really great ones this week. All right, China Spar, <laughs> ready? Break. Welcome back, everybody. Bam! Did you hear that? Ayo, that thing went off like an Oppenheimer bomb. <laughs> that, I could hear it blast from here. It's like that famous uh, salsa dance, the uh, Zarbomba. The Zarbomba. It's sweeping the land. Hey, everyone! Quick PSA: If your friend is saying, "Hey, uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really into uh, seppuku lately," that's my, that's my thing. Sudoku. Oh, Sudoku. If your friend says Sudoku, whatever, just make sure they're not talking about seppuku. Sudoku, yes. sure. I don't understand Sudoku. Somebody tried to explain it to me once. I'm like, that doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to do that on my it's days off. It's a great little math game. Um, oh, yeah. I'm always sitting around like, oh, man, I wish I could be doing some math right now. I, I'm cool. <laughs> Crosswords. Yeah, I don't need. I, I'm fine. I'm all set on the math, everyone. So, Sean Esquire, uh, what do you have uh, I, here this week? I Oh, boy. I'm going to let you go first because there's. <laughs> hey, yeah. I've got a situation over here. <laughs> I'm drinking the Warsteiner. Or they probably pronounce it Warsteiner in Germany, or probably Warsteiner. Like I've, I don't, I don't know. How I've had know. that on the show, by the way, like two, three episodes ago. It What's, was great. The I've had the Dunkel. The Dunkel okay, is delicious. This is the Warsteiner Oktoberfest Special Edition. So this is our Oktoberfest beer. Oh my God! It says there on the I have ninety nine percent chance I've had that one, and it's delicious. Also, it's good. It follows Not, the German purity law and beer there brewing. It is. 1516. Um, that's when that wall 15, came out. 15. Um, you know 15, what? 1516. I I like it. It's it's really good. 
but I have to tip my hat to the Polliner Oktoberfest. Oh, Sean Esquire has his has his giant glass mug, beer stein glass beer stein that came with his one beer that he got from the Polliner purchase. It was a liter can, right? Or quart. I think it was a quart. A quart. A quart can. Quart can. yeah, Sean Esquire is is committed but now to his. I, giant, I like his both. Of them. I just think I like the Polliner a little better. But they also sure. said like that's the main tent. If you go to Oktoberfest, that's the beer you're drinking. I'm telling you, like I would, we got to go to Oktoberfest. Oh no, that's, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. Listeners, our hope, our real hope, is that we will do a on location potting. And I'm really, I'm really pushing for Germany, real deal Germany Oktoberfest a year from now, Sean okay. Esquire. So I'm going to keep sending Sean Esquire, hey man, I got this great BRB deal, Oktoberfest in Germany, let's do it. I'll tell you, so, we're, we're not going to Oktoberfest, we're not going to England, because their beer is terrible. So I've said it, there. British, British friends, I, lo- I love that Sean Esquire has amazing diplomacy skills and refuses to use use them he's like listen i can bullshit with the best of them but when it comes to beer you cross the line when you messed up beer <laughs> british people so i had, I had an old speckled hen last week oh god it was terrible <laughs> speckled and bullshit now, now i know i'm giving i'm giving this up for everyone you're drinking boddingtons i promised the british friends that i would i would reach out and try to and there's not a lot of british beers over here in the oh, u.s speaking so. of which hang on time out follow up last yeah. week i told you i was like oh i'm gonna tell you off the air because it's gonna embarrass me when i was talking about british beers i'm gonna sound like an idiot now i thought guinness was an english beer oh boy Holy. i know i know so oh, when i looked man. at the guinness the the can I was like, oh f me, this is not British, and I was like, French friendship ruined, friendship ruined. So that's when uh, I saw the old speckled hint, and I was like, this is dog shit. I've had Guinness, it was great. Now you're having uh, Boddingtons. I don't even know if I caught that. I was laughing so hard about how speckled hint was so <laughs> horrible. I don't know, yeah. Um, but that the fact that you just threw Guinness in there, uh, I'm not. Hey everybody! I'm not party to that. That I was like, yeah, you're right. Guinness is delicious <laughs> British beer. That's my so. mea culpa. I thought it was because I. Oh, been... you got one so finally. Okay. I've been to pubs with British right. people, mm-hmm. and they ordered Guinness. I just sure. assumed it was, but they, no. they even the Brits know their beer is shit. They were yeah. ordering Guinness. British friends, please reach out to us. Uh, doclawpodcast at gmail.com. Doc doclawpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you about recommendations. I am not above ordering beer from other countries delivered to my house. Uh, we've spoken about Course and Donk, which is hard to find in the U.S. Delicious, amazing Belgian beer. Quack. So, Quack, yeah, that's a great one. Kind of hard to find. I have this week, as promised, British friends, promise is a promise. This week, I am drinking, for now, Boddington's. <laughs> and uh, let me see here. I got a... Oh, it's got the nitro bullet in it. Is there a prize in there? Is it like a Cracker Jack box? Like a drink at the bottom of it? It's going to have... See, even they know their beer is so bad, we got to make something, make it unique. They put a uh, cyanide capsule 
something in there when you finish the beer you can be like did the beer cheer you up champ like no it didn't like don't worry there's a cyanide capsule in there like "Mm, it's terrible maybe germany should have taken over (laughs) (laughs) hey brit friends have you found it's a joke germany uh purity Purity law law. 15 15, 16 that's what i'm trying i'm i a promise is a promise i'm committed to my boddingtons i'm about halfway through this first one it's a little light <laughs> through you taking a drink mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, like, <laughs> I just looked at my glass it's full i thought it was half <laughs> just just pour my, it out and drink a real in, beer at this point. in my head i had drank half of my pint and uh, apparently it's still it's still very full i thought <laughs> so about halfway through this one i'm trying everyone so i don't even know uh i didn't i didn't look at your page bonnington folk it's, it's, it's it took cleaner. me to a journey to hell oh yeah you know how some beers are a journey this one's a journey to to the sink where you can be like whoops <laughs> i got uh, one pint i like your yellow can just for the sake of there's not a lot of yellow cans it says smooth and creamy on here shiner has a yellow label 1778 on the uh on the boddington They've been and... making bad beer that long. <laughs> they don't know any better, Sean Esquire. <laughs> Do you remember when you were a kid on the baseball team, and then they would they would bring out the uh, I don't know if you're not allowed to say morbidly obese now. I am. I'm the last one that can say it. And they bring out the kid, the morbidly obese kid, and everyone's like, "Hey, you're doing great, champ. You're really uh, you're really getting there." <laughs> and you would just have to just, for God's sakes, man, have a heart. <laughs> just let them take first base. <laughs> that's a british beer (laughs) the brits are the fat kid on the baseball team from from fifth grade so uh they got a bunch of uh paragraphs on the back of theirs they're giving me recommendations about best results (laughs) Uh, pour down sink results uh serve cool but not ice cold 41 degrees fahrenheit they put fahrenheit on here good for you carefully open can pour contents into a glass wait dot 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 pause for effect and watch the head settle on a perfect glass of boddington pub ale this can contains a pressurized insert do not tamper i'm gonna tamper don't tell me how to live yeah, my life open that can. even <laughs> even when empty so uh yeah there's other things involved i don't know i'm gonna assume not the germany purity whatever it's got all the nutritional facts what kind of percentage of, um, is that uh, oh man beer? we gotta we gotta <laughs> 124 calories carbs 9.4 grams uh one one of uh, one gram of protein uh imported by import brands alliance st louis what so this is uh this is british by way of st louis st louis is not my favorite city by the way is it through inbev that's everyone question comments for the boddington can 1888 Two eight seven two four zero zero. I'm gonna drink fifteen real beers. I'm gonna call them and tell them what I really think. So look out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Boddington. You know, we've been CEO. looking for a beer sponsor, and my fear is we're gonna get a call from a British beer company. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It. it I it, even free. This is terrible. We're gonna you will you will you know just keep that yacht keep your Boddington yacht please. I got a four point six percent over here. Okay. And um, 
always enjoy responsibly. They have a web page and I am going to be calling these guys later on tonight, like 3 a.m. ish. Yeah. So look out, Boddington CEO. Give me a Yelp review. You're, you're on my you're on my radar again. I don't know how much of a you just can't beat up the kid with asthma, right? You just gotta just <laughs> hey, you gotta you take one, take one, and be like, oh, you really got me there. Oh man, just hey, oh you man, tried, this body. <laughs> you tried making beer, Brits. Nice attempt. And, and Gordon Ramsay is a British guy. I, I think he's I don't know if he's half Scottish. Or he has a lot of Brit, British. and the guy can cook, right? He's he's the super. I mean, master. that's what they say. Right, <laughs> that's the if British. If he gives CIA, a good British beer CIA. review of a British beer, I will know he is dead wrong. I don't know if he's much of a boozer, but you know, between the food and the beer, Brits, come on, seriously, holy mackerel! I know you guys are proud of your tea. There's other things that people want to ingest. At least they have soccer. Sakes. Like mm. food's a bomb. Mm. It is. It is skunky. It's a little. Yeah. It's a little skunky. I'm just pour I'm it about out. halfway. About halfway into it. Taking a sip. <laughs> just pour damn it. it. Every time I look at the glass in my head, I'm like, "There's at least I've drank at least half of it." And you like, know, I barely touched it. It's I crazy barely... that that you can have a Texas brewery making mm. Belgian style beer taste a hundred times better than what comes out of Britain. All right. Okay, Brits. You know what? I've only tried a couple of your beers. I got a Boddington, and we've done uh, Sean Esquire did old a speckled, speckled hen, whatever the hell it was, speckled lamb, dog, whatever. Uh, <laughs> speckled bullshit. So that's two that we've done. There's, you know, they probably have more than two beers over there. Brit friends, maybe chime in. Let us know. We've said before there's plenty of American beers. I wouldn't touch with thirty foot pole. Not every beer from America is delicious. So our ambers are great. I stand by. I will stand by American ambers. I guarantee you, um, any domestic brewer light beer is better than that. Oh, you're gonna put Miller above a oh, Boddington? I guarantee you, it is. Oh man, no those are fighting words. Holy no mackerel! Doubt. I, I might. I'm not a Miller guy, but I might very well drink a Miller or a Bud before I drink a Boddington's. Boddington's, not my, not my cup of tea. Uh, British friends, let us know. Obviously. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to the Brit beers. You know, I've, I've done a Bonningtons. I've done one. Sean Esquire's done one. Mm-hmm. We're we're doing it wrong, Brit friends. So just let us know. We're happy to try other stuff. I'm not going to drink Bonningtons again unless I, I lose a bet. So I don't want to give it a rating. I don't think that my rating would be nice. And so I'm <laughs> just going to say not for me. Not for me. But okay. I do have, I have some backup beer, you know, wherever sometimes God closes a Bonington to give you a Oktoberfest. So I've got a Shiner. Exactly. I've got a Shiner, Shiner uh, Oktoberfest. Delicious. And like I said, it's very hard for me to meet an Oktoberfest that I don't love. So Shiner Oktoberfest for me, it is. And Chana Squire, I'm jealous of his of his beer stein. Yes. Um, I'm going to jump to a quick product review just real quick before we get into the, mm. the meat and potatoes. Um, mm-hmm. So I have my no, rovers. My, no British meat. We're going back to rovers, not moon rovers, not Mars rovers, house rovers. Got the two oh, yeah. shark robots, uh, Sharkira and uh, Clean Latifa. Um, they work great, other than make sure you don't leave a sock laying around because that thing will suck the sock up and stop, and it will like beep at you and say, 
I can't move. I sucked a sock up or something. Um, so just anybody who's looking at getting house vacs, make sure the floor is picked up. But other than that, it's been what probably since when was the Amazon day? Like four weeks ago, a month or so? Two, three, four episodes ago. Easily. Yeah. Um, other than that, things are great. Love it. Takes care of it. The, the bad one, the bad one I saw online and uh, the really bad one I saw online was that the, the cleaning robot <laughs> like run over dog shit and oh. just dog shit all over the house. There was a huge trail of dog shit. That the, robot, the robot was like <laughs> detecting dog shit, smearing everywhere. That, Thanks, that probably smelled better than old speckled hen tasted. That's, that's how bad on, that beer was. On, hey. <laughs> so, sorry, Brits. You've done so much for you. I thought we were, we're allies. So, uh, yeah, that was one of the that was one of the the uh, cleaning bot things that I saw online. Also, whenever Sean Esquire tells me about his robots, in my head they they both had because he has two of them. That's mm-hmm. this guy is baller when it comes to the cleaning robots. Sean Esquire is well, like, they don't yeah, climb need- stairs. The hell is going on in your house that you need so many damn robots just one man most people have like one cleaning bot what the hell is going on you're leaving your dirty <laughs> socks everywhere and whatever um yeah in my head sean esquire has like they have personalities they're like floor is clean yeah. he didn't help at all <laughs> <They're> just very, <laughs> <just> very <laughs> passive aggressive <laughs> don't worry shit. about that sock Thanks, <laughs> Better hope your dog doesn't shit anywhere. <laughs> kind of rub it up and down the wall. <laughs> robot goes on the ceiling. Like, all right, robot. I'm sorry. That's the Terminator. That's that's AI 2.0 when the robot's like, oh, there's some dog shit. I'm going to put it on the ceiling <laughs> and behind the bed. Like, what are you doing, robot? Nothing. No, no, no product reviews for me, but I do have. Oh, here it is. You know what time it is, everyone. Yeah. Get your ear holes ready. And we don't have to do the long version every time. We don't have to do We've talked about that. That guy is playing the long <laughs> version because he is upset about the British beer. I guarantee he's British. Sean Esquire is like, I want Eddie Van Halen 30-minute guitar solo version, but I want it for the history horn. By the way, everyone, we have dubbed this the history horn. And every... Every week, I promise you, I do my part. I tell <laughs> Shannon Squire, please don't do the long version. We've done it. It was funny the first eight times, and I don't think anyone else thinks it's funny other than me. And so. I keep telling <laughs> Dr. Blom, I make no promises on how long it will be. Sean Esquire is the guy that when you it's you've been drinking all night, and you're in the car, and he's he's pulling in to let you out to your place. Then he's just like, no, wait. Mm-hmm. We need to listen to this song right now. I'm like, oh man, I'm really I want to turn. No, we need you need to hear this. This song means a lot to me. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's a 14 minute song. It's very, it's a, it's the doors. It's gonna it's gonna go on, but you need to shut up. And then you just try to talk. Like, I really I gotta get up for work. No, now I have to start it over. <laughs> I'm starting the song over now. <laughs> so. Oh, by the Big way, for- I'm going to say this week in history, we've kind of gotten a little bit off track. 
So it's not it's not a week, everyone. So please don't hold us to that. It's summer. It's been summer traveling. We're traveling, jumping around. We volleyball we is happening. Jump to like August sixth, August 9th. Hands are speckled. Oppenheimers are happening. And it so, was a lot going on. And now, oh, and just a PSA for everyone: Doctor Blom is going to be leaving us for about three weeks. Is that right? We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm actually finalizing things uh, sooner rather than later, but. We'll have a short hiatus while I figure out um, business stuff, travel, work, work, travel stuff, and regular travel stuff. So we we'll see. I'm still finalizing plans. So, but yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of a break after this episode, and you should go back. Oh, just take it all. By in. the way, it's, I'm gonna try drink, to drink it in. Get to editing. I know episodes mm-hmm. two through seven. I don't think have ever been edited. Those are our, oh. our, our secret, undisclosed episodes. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed, and then and I was just like, "Hey, Sean Esquire, because so, Sean Esquire is doing it." Sean Esquire wears a lot of hats, yeah. though. So there's so that. now that I'm taking a special field trip in the next week. I'm going to England. I'm going to the Boddington factory, <laughs> and uh, I'm come. I'm going. I'm going in there. I'm grabbing. You know, take uh, him a Miller Lloyd, Light and say, "Hey, look, Lloyd can you Francis. make your stuff taste better than this?" Grabbing them by the lapels and bringing a, a big bag of tacos <laughs> and a, a twelve pack of Shiner Oktoberfest mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, everybody, bring bring it in over here." You know what? Sometimes in life, it's about reaching out, and then you say, "Hey, hey, uh, Boddington folk, come over here. Hey, come over here. Take a knee. Take a knee, everyone. Come, come over here. But Listen, I, these are tacos. These are tacos. I know you fought the Germans, blow their, but blow their British minds like." <laughs> These are tacos. This is Shiner Oktoberfest. And like, what's happening? And then, you know, they their monocle falls into their tea or whatever. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, Blom's going to be out of town. So it's going to be solo for another two, three weeks. My plan yeah. is I'm going to get some edits done on the previous episodes to try to get them out so that we don't miss like a week of an uploaded podcast. But I'm going to say this. We had recorded those before we got like good mics, good mixers, the quality learning curve might not be there. So just expect it might be a lower quality of it, but the but the actual talk is spirit is just well, hey, do you remember that time that you that you made beer? You started making beer in 1778. Oh, and then and then hundreds of years later. Your beer was shit. I'm sorry. Not. I mean, not not good. I'm sorry. Really, not not the best. Not everyone's favorite. Not everyone. I'm not sometimes, sure it was ever good. <laughs> sometimes you do a podcast and you're learning whatever, and you improve. That's what you do. You improve yeah. because you listen to other people, or you just take it upon yourself to just give a shit, and then you're like, oh, maybe, um, you know other beers are doing things better than we are and we need to pay attention to things like taste buds and common sense or i'm sorry british people i'm not I'm, i don't mean to give you a hard time no. again you're not my, you're my not fault. good at beer making you're not good at revolutionary wars i get it I, it's i'm willing to put the burning of the white house away I'm, hey look hey it's been a while i'm 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 willing to olive olive branch it up you know we try the the jet guess what japanese people watch american movies and they wear our blue jeans and they love our bands and all kinds of stuff and so that that speaks a lot isn't there you know there's religious stuff about forgiveness and everything and they make so it beers. People, I'm, I'm, 
<laughs> I've, had, I've had a few of them. They know what they're doing. The British Sapporo don't. Sapporo, Sapporo Dark, yeah. So, Sapporo, um, yeah, British oh, friends. What's it's, the other? Asahi. It, oh, very good beer. It's my it's my fault, British people. I haven't tried enough of your beers, so please, please write in Doc Law Podcast D O C Doc Law Podcast at gmail or on the site formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. I'm more than more than excited to try whatever else beer wise you might throw at us. I can't Probably. I can't wait till one of the British reach out to us and wants to be a guest of the podcast. And mm. I hope they bring something very good. I love their accent. I have I've not liked their beer at all. Not like I can't if I can't under if you're speaking the same language I'm speaking and I can't understand you I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, well like they that. speak a weird English. They don't speak. Well, I mean, there's so many. They have the Cockney accent and the and the British working, and then they have you know they they have a lot of accents. I mean, Hello, I mean the U.S. Not... has a lot of accents. Yeah. Right. They, they they do this very truncated like they cut off the last half of the word like you go you bottle. Oh, like, let's go. They having a stroke? Oh, bottle? Maybe, bottle. Maybe they didn't finish okay. their beer right, don't recipe. Talk to me. Leave me leave me alone. Um, so, all right, let's get. There's in. a lot of shows yeah. that are. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's some, there's shows that are just too British for me. I'm like, I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're saying, man. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I think it's English. Like every third or fourth word sounds English to me, but I'm just not catching it. So, I'm a, no, I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Peaky Blinders. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm, was, I'm all set. That was there. Irish, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. They're, they're British people. So that was yeah, the same guy that played Oppenheimer. I mean, the oh wow that is him yeah okay yeah K- well, Killian I mean, he's... Murphy okay he's a Brit he's a Brit I don't uh, maybe he's Irish I don't know let's blow him up on tw- <laughs> let's get him on here we'll get him and Tom Hanks I mean, on the let's podcast let's get him on here let's get him on hang on let me get him on the horn real fast yeah. hang on let me call him up here hey um uh so yeah let me backtrack I'm... here we're, <laughs> keep it, keep it going. we have been jumping around on dates we're gonna try to end with the podcast date which is august the 18th i think we have that but anyways august 2nd so i'm jumping back a couple weeks this was a big day uh august 2nd 1990 iraq invades kuwait dr blom this was the oh, start yeah. was... of the gulf wars I was alive. Well, yeah, the Gulf Wars, plural. Yeah, wars. Um, so I, I had to. I didn't know the whole backstory on this. So apparently, Kuwait, you know, their own country, helped. They gave like fourteen billion dollars to Iraq to help build up their army or military because there was this whole Iran Iraq war. I'll probably have to do some follow up on this because I don't know, but Iran and Iraq got into a war. Kuwait gave him a whole bunch of money, said, hey, here's some money. Build up your military. You can fight Iran. Well, Kuwait, I guess, came calling and said, hey, we want our money back that we paid you. Iraq didn't have the money, and Kuwait had ramped up oil production in the Middle East. So Iraq has oil wells. Kuwait has oil wells. But because of the production numbers, Iraq oil costs more money, obviously, and Kuwait was like the middle ground between them and the Persian Gulf. So they basically said, well, we can't pay you back. We're just going to invade you and take over your oil wells. So, Oh, that's even better. Nice. Yeah. So Iraq invaded Kuwait 
August 2nd, 1990. Uh, the UN meets, everybody starts sanctioning Iraq, says, hey, we don't approve of this. They start stationing a bunch of troops and planes. I, I read one thing that said like 650,000 troops. I read one thing that said over a million troops. Uh, they start stationing them over in Saudi Arabia. So they got to the point that they had a bunch of ships in the Persian Gulf. They had a bunch of troops in Saudi Arabia and said, you know what? It's time. And I've got to look this up too. It said this was under uh, Bush Sr. So night, early, mid, or early 90s was... 80, 88 Bush Sr. came yeah. into play because 80, 80 was... Eddie was Reagan, and then Bush Sr. was formerly head of CIA, and so Iran-Contra affair for future episodes. So they, and then we have eight years and, eight years of Reagan, and then Bush. And they said uh, Bush Sr. The video that I watched said Secretary Cheney. I'm assuming mm -hmm. it's Dick Cheney. You are correct. Okay, Dick Cheney, Rumsfeld, all those guys were in. I say in cahoots. They were part of the Bush Sr. cabinet. Uh, Bush Sr so many adjectives I could use there. And then Bush Jr. comes along. So then we have we have a one-termer Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. Then we get eight years of Clinton. And then and G -dub. Then, and, and then we get the G dub. Then we get then we get Bush Jr. 2000 to 2008. So we get eight years. And then Bush Jr. ushers in, we get it way, way, way ahead of ourselves, but Bush Jr. ushers in Gulf War II. Yeah. War II. So Iraq invades Kuwait August 2nd. In two days, they take it over and they put up a shadow government. And basically, you're, says, you're in 88. You're in 1988. 1990. 1990. I'm sorry. Okay. Two, two, years, two years into Bush Sr.'s one term. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry. So August 2nd, 1990, Iraq invades Kuwait. They take over Kuwait in two days because they're pissed off about not getting oil money. Because they had to pay back Kuwait, but I guess they figured, well, we don't have to pay them back if we just take them over. Uh, they get sanctioned by the UN, uh, US sends troops, planes to Saudi Arabia. The underlying rationale of all this is they wanted to stop Saddam from having a complete control of the oil flow. Because Kuwait is connected to the, per you know, if you look at a map, you got Iraq, Kuwait's south of it connects to the Persian Gulf. Saudi Arabia is just to the west of Kuwait, so southwest of Iraq. We put all our troops in Saudi Arabia, decided, okay, now's the time. We start this whole bombing campaign against Iraq about six months after. So this is like January of, what, 91? Um, everybody participates in this this is a bunch of you know supporters of the u.s uh we helped to liberate kuwait what was interesting the video i watched it was actually a cnn video and they were talking about how the bombs that were being dropped in baghdad were like precise locations and this was actually one of the big steps from the vietnam war to the gulf war is they had enhanced military capabilities and precision bombs that they were attacking, you know, tank facilities and operating facilities and doing it with such precision. It wasn't like Vietnam where you would cluster bomb all area. 
this was we're taking out specific targets one after one. And the the uh, the CNN correspondents that were over in Baghdad were in this hotel that had a bunker in it, and uh, they they said that it was you know it the whole thing lasted forty three days, but they were able to attack specific military objectives with pre- precision that they weren't losing, you know, a bunch of civilians or things like that. And ultimately Iraq just backed off said, okay, we're done. We're going to leave Kuwait. This is Fisher price. My first smart bomb. Yeah. The, or the early, early nineties. This was all, so, oh, Sean- by the way, this was also the first war that was covered. I say war, but first war that was covered by national broadcast. 24-hour news cycle, not just national broadcast. So you could, you know, if you're, you know, a night night guy like me, I work nights, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I might break for lunch, like 2 a.m.-ish, turn on TV, CNN's like, this war is brought to you in part by Pepsi, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, (laughs) ExxonMobil, especially ExxonMobil. So the uh so many crazy things leading up to this war that i definitely want to get into on on future episodes i don't, I don't think that we can cover all of it today but the fact of the matter still remains that so this is iraq right at this 19 1990 1991 yeah. yeah so this is iraq and who was heading up iraq at that time who was, saddam who was, hussein who's saddam hussein there you go and who put saddam hussein in power cia The, the U.S. the U.S. put Saddam, in, Saddam Hussein in power from from many years before. I'm happy to get into that story, but this is this is you know they did the same thing with uh, Bush Senior went after um, the uh, as a Guatemalan guy. What was that guy? He was a big big drug lord that we had put in power. So the the U.S. has this history, recent history. I say you know in in our lifetime, putting oh, people in power. Uh... And and then I don't remember his name Ca- now. Not it's not Castro. Oh, I think she Castro is it's Cuban. Um, Noriega. There it is. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, nice I, man. I, I, I've been drinking beers. I, I've been. I blanked sipping. on it. I know. That's like your Spanish for Spider Man situation over there. I oh, really just the beer. You're just doing the beer right no, now. I'm drinking whiskey too. So general, <laughs> yeah, general, general Noriega. There you go. Yeah. So he was. He, yeah, that's a whole separate story. Basically, that that's a guy that the U.S. had put in power, and then he went rogue and everything else. So the U.S. did the same thing with Saddam Hussein. We're definitely going to do at least. We might dedicate an entire episode to it. So yes, yeah, Saddam Hussein put in power by the U.S. And then the uh, Iraqi occupation of Kuwait actually came to an end shortly thereafter. That's February 26, 1991. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if that was during the whole, um, the, did they start the weapon of mass destruction bullshit during the, the Bush senior years or they only did it the Bush junior I years? I think it was Do you just remember? junior. I think it was early 2000s. So, but, so Gulf, but, Gulf War One desert you, operation, uh, desert shield, desert shield, and then, but you also had uh, Cheney, who worked for a senior, and then mm-hmm. was vice president of George W. Bush. So George 
Junior. Yeah. George W. I feel like yeah. I feel like I feel like Cheney probably had some influence on what did he want done over there. Oh no no no! Everyone, I, I may not be ready for September 11 episode, but we're going to cover all of that. And these are what Sean Esquire is getting into right now. This is the, uh, what were they called? The coalition of new America or the coalition of man, some stupid, stupid name. And Bush uh, senior gave that speech about uh, the new world order. Mm -hmm. Everyone. I encourage you to research the Bush family and where they got their money and how they came to be. And that basically it started in the, 30s or 40s with uh, Prescott Bush and then there was an opium trade going on and like I think the Kennedy family had got a lot of their money from the bootlegging booze days from the uh, from the abolition days I'm, I'm almost certain the, the Bush family got a lot of their money from a number of things a Prescott I think it was Prescott Bush grand grandpa Bush one of them he had a bank the bank got closed in the 30s or 40s because they had ties to the nazis they had ties to Ooh. germany when you say you right, know so that that bank shut shut down that thing I, and then this is a Bush sidebar Sr. apparently like so did henry ford and mm -hmm. the walt disney guy walt disney walt, walt disney did not like jewish people that's pretty uh, it's pretty well known i think henry ford was the same way they had some sympathy towards the nazi party so well, mm. we'll get into that later but Oh my god! I'm, 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 I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. I thought, like, hang on a second. Hang on. Look, look. I'm about halfway through it. Oh, that right there. Look at that. <laughs> you drink two gulps. Uh, it seems so like so much more. Anyway, so we are absolutely going to get into the history of the Bush family, at least going back to Prescott Bush, and with Cheney and and the rest of them, all the the crooked backdoor shit that they did so many so many war crimes between gulf war one and gulf war two and that's not to say that you know clinton was innocent of a lot of other stuff either don't don't get it twisted that's what happens is they say oh what, what about democrats yeah i'm not a huge fan of them either what about the republicans i'm not a huge fan I of them either this. at yeah. least he balanced the budget and i don't know the last time that's been done yeah yeah no, I think I I think Bill Clinton did a lot of good things, and I think that he had a lot of he had a lot of fun charisma. But I but I but I also know he's yeah. <laughs> a fun loving. He's <laughs> fun loving. His staff. He was so nice to his staff. He was always like, "Hey, come on into my office if you need any saw, kind of you know fatherly advice." I saw that meme of Clinton sitting behind the Oval Desk, and it said, "There's actually two people in this photo." <laughs> Clinton had huge uh, connections with the with the, the the Mena. So there's the Mena Airport out of out of Arkansas, and the Colombian uh, drug guys were running drugs out of that, and that's very well documented. There's uh, Barry Sanders. Oh my God, no, it's Barry um, White. God, I'm blanking on his name. He was the pilot. He was the Tom Cruise did a movie about. Oh, him. He's just, where he's running the drugs from Central America. For the yes. United States federal government. Yeah. And so Bush Sr. was head of CIA before he became vice president, right? And then during the Reagan years, he got involved with the Iran Contra stuff, those things. Anyway, regarding Gulf War One, Gulf Gulf War Two, uh, yeah, Cheney was CEO of Halliburton. Mm -hmm. And so guess what happened? Gulf War Two. 
Halliburton gets no bid contracts, not like low bid, like a bunch of people were bidding for the oil, uh, <laughs> like, for the oil. No, they're um, getting the money. Zero, zero bid. Halliburton, oh, so the former CEO of Halliburton gets Halliburton no bid contracts on all the oil wells in the Middle East for Gulf War II. And obviously we're going to get into all of that, not in this episode, but I'll say sometimes you get older, you take a step back and you say, Okay, well, if the U.S. didn't do that, would gas be like $9 a gallon right now? Like the fact that the U.S. went in and killed a bunch of people and collateral damage and blah, 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 and Halliburton got the no-bid contracts and, and everything else. Was that what stabilized the oil-gas market for the U.S.? Because once upon a time, they said, oh, if gas in the U.S. ever hit $6 a gallon, then it'll be a full-on recession or it'll be a full-on depression you know it'll be it'll there'll be bread lines all over again that so much that our economy is a petrol dollar so if there's an oil issue then heaven forbid you know america starts to fail economically and that's what we we worry about obviously you, you want to worry about war in and of itself and nuclear fallout and everything but there wasn't really war that brought down the roman empire Right. And the U.S. has a lot to learn about the Roman Empire. I love Roman history. I really do. I, I studied Latin in high school, and and um, I'm a huge fan of all the Stoics. And uh, the U.S., as far as I'm concerned, other than whatever the heck is coming at us from outer space that the U.S. feels the need for billions of dollars for Space Force, which is probably legitimate, the U.S. biggest risk is collapse from the inside. Just like the the Roman Empire, Rome at one time had conquered like a third of the world. So the at some point you have to worry about the economy. It's not always about foreign armies and foreign bombs and planes. And though those things are real, absolutely they're real. Ask Ukraine if they're if they're real <laughs> right now. But also, economic strength is just as, if not more, important than military strength. Look at northern europe look at uh, look at switzerland for god's sakes they what do they have to worry about so it all, right. it all plays a part in in protecting the country but that being said i know exactly the kind of person that cheney was and rumsfeld is rum still still alive i don't know i think he died actually i think so because we're we're well into the 2020s so uh i'm 99 percent sure that uh colin colin powell colin, colin powell, powell? Colin. Yeah. Colin, colon, colon pal colon pal it's an unfortunate name if he goes by colon so uh yeah i'm very happy to discuss well, it and is colon pal shit on esquire and i whiskey. the last episode no 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 when when whiskey makes you stronger you're like i'm drinking whiskey and then when when you when you <laughs> go the, when you confuse president from colin the, like and colon. It's, it's the, yeah don't use it as a crutch use it use it as Spider-Man drink, Spider-Man drinking his spinach. You know, how it is. So, uh, yeah. Sean Esquire, can you give me a uh, a, a post facto epilogue to the Gulf War One? Eventually, we will cover Gulf War One too. Um, Sodom stayed in Sodom stayed in power. Stayed in power. Uh, yep. Right. And uh, the Iraq backed out and said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna surrender and we're gonna get out of Kuwait. Let Kuwait be their own." country and and go on their way so iraq backed out because it's sodom who was working for the u.s we put him in power right yeah we killed him eventually well, uh, 
Spo- by the way, spoiler also, alert. Foreshadowing, Sean Esquire, thank you for working that in to the episode because we have that to cover. So Gulf War One was overall just getting Kuwait to, to back off all of Iraq. the oil wheels. Kuwait and, and Iraq? No, you went Iraq to back out. Iraq was like de facto working for the U.S. Yes. Or, and- no, or you're saying that this is the early stages of, of Saddam going rogue where he's like oh yes. thanks you for putting me I in mean, power because he got all that money he built a big military might and so that was the whole concern like we don't want one person controlling all the oil import export into the persian gulf and um we took care of that in early 2000s so we had our puppet guy which was saddam hussein mm-hmm. he got a little he got a little crazy he got a little jacked up on uh on Middle Eastern whiskey or whatever, oh. and then he got, he got all jacked up on speckled hen, and then uh, <laughs> that will not the, happen. He probably yeah. poured it down the drain too. <laughs> the U.S. The US was like, "All right, hey, hey, Sodom, you know, we put you in power. You know the rules here, man. You better get your ass in gear, or else." Oh. And then he was like, "Or else what?" And then Bush and Jr. Then, yeah, there you go. I got you. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of, yeah, we'll get to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward here. August, do. Yes. August 7th, 1782. This is kind of obscure history knowledge right. here. I like I like obscure stuff. I like all of it. Uh, uh President George Washington created the Purple Heart, which Dr. Blom, do you know what the Purple Heart is for? Well, it, it is a wrestling move. And uh, quite often you take the forearm and you bring it around. And as you wrap it around, then you really want to put a lot of pressure, go up, up and over on right on the right on the trachea. And you you can crush the trachea if you want, but they often will turn purple. And then that is where the phrase purple heart came from. Very, very effective. Close, uh, close. MMA move, wrestling move. Purple heart was given out. This is interesting. So. George Washington creates a Purple Heart. It was only given to three individuals from the Revolutionary War. So it was very, very rare. And then it was long forgotten. And the ultimately, Douglas MacArthur, who this was like the 1930s, said that he's going to reinstate it. And he did on George Washington's 200th birthday. Um, This was February 22nd, 1932, uh, which now the new Purple Heart has George Washington's bust on it. It's still purple, silver lining. We now give it to individuals that have been wounded, killed, or... I guess end up in a POW camp and are, I, I don't know, punished. Uh, they get the Purple Heart. W- wounded, wounded, or in prison? Like you can be in prison and not wounded. Or, I thought it or was killed. Just or, or killed. Or killed. So you could be wounded, killed, or you suffer some type of torture in a prison camp. They're going to give you the Purple Heart. Now, originally. This is what's interesting because everyone now you, you see Purple Heart license plates. You know that these people are probably wounded, shot, something in war. The original Purple Heart was actually given out 
as a meritorious conduct award. So you did something really well in war. You did something really well in battle. And they said, hey, we're going to give you an award to recognize whatever you did in the war. But this is before, uh, like, Congressional Medal of Honor. I'm just trying to figure out. It, it, it starts off as kind of a catch-all. Right. Well, no, no, no. It originally started out as you did something really well. We're going to give it to you. Right. And then, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Then, it, was, it was, yeah, all of that, and good, then, bad. And... and then 200 years later, we said, we're going to give it to anybody that's been wounded or shot or tortured. So I don't, I guess now if you do something really well, they probably give you the Medal of Honor. But we think military decoration wise, we'll have to put it on the to-do list for a Congressional Medal of Honor, Purple Heart, like what was the, like the highest, well, the ones that like around. This was really interesting though. So those, I know it said like, okay, we only give it to those that get like meritorious conduct. So you do something really well. You get the purple heart. You got to like you would not be challenged by anybody you walked past. So you were gonna walk into the White House and you had a purple heart on. No one's gonna stop you. You're like anytime if yeah. you have a purple heart on, you get free. Who, who's gonna stop you? You go to the Wendy's drive-through. They give you free chicken nuggets. Like if, you get you get a purple heart on. You get the front of the pickup line at your kid's elementary school. Yeah, it's like, carte hey, blanche. Just open open world so yeah that was the birth of the purple heart purple hearts awarded post humorously oh well those what were injured think? total recipients oh uh eligible, eligible casualties in world war one who may have not been awarded the purple heart uh there's a there's a there's a 24,769 over 2 million uh recipients totally awarded posthumously four hundred and thirty thousand. Okay. So like half a million close to killed while serving or on after April fifth, nineteen six nineteen seventeen. Oh we have G dub G dub. When I say G dub, I mean George Washington only gave out I'm three. Looking at the- I'm looking at the medal. It's very, I like that. That I mean, uh, George Washington is not skipping chess day, apparently. Oh, He's that's the, a... that's the new one. That's after 1932. Oh, okay. So there's the 1.0 and the 2.0. Right. Awarded for, quote, being wounded or killed in any action against an enemy of the U.S. or as a result of an act of any such enemy or opposing armed forces. Right. Pretty good. In, and that's only that's only the new one. Because the original was you just had to do something good. Well yeah, yeah, and they had to they had to branch out and then then go from there. So the first one was February twenty two, nineteen thirty two. Well so that was McCarthy. That was version two. Douglas MacArthur, yeah. So he was a general then. Uh thirty two? Yeah. So George Washington created it back in the No, second, I get that part. Yeah. MacArthur reinvented it in the 1930s. Rebranded. Yeah. And then he said, okay, this isn't just going to be for meritorious conduct. We're going to give it to anybody that, you know, gets wounded. 
Oh, there's a purple Purple Heart Trail on 35 somewhere. I-35. <laughs> People that have died driving I-35. <laughs> well, you're thinking, I mean, you're thinking Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. It's probably all of it. So, uh, yeah, I like the, the, the bust. And I, it looks like. I'd give a Purple Heart to the English. They got probably wounded trying to make good beer. 430,000. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell the English they need to get their own. Get your get your own award or whatever it is you're trying to do over there. Yeah. So it's gorgeous. It's a it's a very gorgeous. Uh, and then above that is the Bronze Star Medal. Mm-hmm. And then below that is the Defense Meritorious Service Medal. So that's probably what the original Purple Heart was. That they've just kind of, they've done a... Like a collective. They're just bunching them all in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have a whole uh, criteria section online. So they, Four criteria now. Yeah. I mean, okay. don't get me wrong. I appreciate all of our Purple Heart recipients that are listening to this, including our Navy SEAL out in the middle of the lake in Kansas. Kansas, probably, I think. Um, but yeah, the original one was not for wounding. It's just because you did something great. So... I have heard derogatory uh, statement regarding Purple Heart from uh, vets, from veterans that did not get a Purple Heart regarding nicknames and things like that. Not a, not, not anything I would repeat in friendly company or otherwise. But I, but that being said, it's a military thing. If they want to, whatever, joke about other military guys, and then hey, man, you've you've earned it, man. You face of war. That happens. So, yeah, awesome metal. And uh, the bust of uh, Washington also looks great. He, looks, <laughs> he can bench a good 500, 600 <laughs> on, that, on that for sure. All right, so let's get to uh, what's this? Oh, there was a big concert. 19- there was a concert. 69. Do you want to do the concert? We can do the concert. I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about smelly hippies (laughs) so we have woodstock is 1969 now remember we had uh previously covered the apollo moon landing which was just last episode two episodes ago but so flash forward april 15 16 17 18 1969 this is the woodstock festival some of you have heard of it and it is basically peace, love, and rock and roll. It's three things that, by the way. You said April. So, you meant August? August. I said, I'm pretty sure I said okay. August. August 15, August 15, 16, 17, 18 of 1969. Woodstock. Woodstock happened, everyone. And then it was a, an Aquarian explosion. Quote, an Aquarian explosion. So that was going. The poster said, wake up. Uh, <laughs> White Lake, White Lake, New York. And then uh, it was actually not White Lake, New York. And also it was not Woodstock. It was like 40 miles outside, outside of Woodstock. There were four young men involved, all in their 20s. There's two guys. There's Michael Lang and Artie Cornfield. Uh, Korn, so these are kind of the concert promoter guys. And then there's the two business dudes. There's John Roberts and Joel uh, Rilserman. Cornfield, by the way, 
kind of a badass, bit of a badass. He wrote something like uh, 75 Billboard charted songs okay. involved in, yeah, involved in over 100 very, very successful albums from, uh, from back in the day. And Roberts and Roserman, Roberts and, yeah, Roserman, they were kind of the business end. They were the business guys. They had been working on a sitcom, and the sitcom is great. They, had, they were on a sitcom called Young Men with Unlimited Capital. So they were. this was kind of an, like an early Shark Tank thing that they were going to do. Okay. This is a real thing before, obviously, before Woodstock. And they said that this, this was their, their sitcom thing. They were pitching the pilot episode around New York. And it wasn't getting a lot of traction from TV shows, but it did end up like interviewing a lot of people, making a lot of connections. Then you have the, the actual music guys, Michael Lang and uh, Artie Kornfeld. They had been involved in a Miami, uh, Miami concert and some other huge concerts making names for themselves. So when they rolled in, they had some clout. Now there was a series of, you know, getting kicked out basically that these guys in 1968, Leading up to 969, they went around and they said, hey, we're going to do this festival and it's going to be a bunch of uh, hippies here. And all the towns were just said, oh, no, get out of here. Michael Lang and Artie uh, Confield, they were working on getting a studio, a uh, music studio outside of New York, New York, New York proper, outside of Manhattan. So as they're doing that, then they kind of friends of friends with John Roberts and Joel Roserman. And they say, hey, we're going to do this uh, music studio outside of Manhattan, Bob Dylan's going to show up. It's going to be a huge thing. He's like, uh, his studio, maybe not so much, uh, maybe, a, maybe a concert because you guys have done concerts before. That's kind of how it started. Ultimately they got kicked out of this town and this other town said no. And this other town said no. So then they, we get to Max Yosker. Great name, by the way, great picture online. If you can see there would be no Woodstock without Max Yosker. Y-A-S-G-U-R about 49 at the time had a 600 acre dairy farm and he was their godsend because they had all these other towns that said, no, we don't want all these hippies. We don't want this. We don't have, want that. What were they telling these towns, Sean Esquire? They said, Oh, it's going to be like a 10,000 people, 20,000 people. What number do you think they threw at these, <laughs> these uns- unsuspecting folk? Probably like 500. <laughs> 500 is good. Yeah, the number they threw out was something like 50,000 that they were telling these small towns, small towns outside of New York, I say upper state New York, outside of Manhattan back in 1969. And so much happened. The first big band that signed, you're going to love this, CCR. Oh, my God. I love CCR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like we talked about on World War One, then one country jumps in and another country jumps in. And so that's basically how they got any clout at all i just want to know that when did Jimi hendrix say i'm in so i don't have an exact sign-on date for him but i do have some Jimi hendrix facts that you're gonna love ccr was the first one to sign on first big name they kind of opened the doors for everyone how much money do they get for playing i mean it's it's one show they didn't play all three days this is a the festival is supposed to be 15, 16, 17. They went a little bit over. Was, what, the, 60s, maybe $25,000. Like now, money now. Yes. Adjusted for inflation. 25K for one day thing. Biggest name at Woodstock. Well, I say biggest name. The first first real name to rule out. 80K 
in 2023 money. Eight eight zero eighty k. But they're oh, they're a 80, band. Eighty thousand. Okay. Yeah, CCR. I don't. I don't think they're a small band either. They're not. You know, they got to share that. I don't know. Apparently, how, how anybody knows them. So they play. <laughs> they played it like uh, after midnight. They were pissed. So the interviews now just go on and on about <laughs> that. They played after midnight, and um, God, can you imagine it, Fortunate Son being played at two a.m. in the morning? They did not get. Um, they did not get featured on the Woodstock movie. Pretty much not at all. They were very very pissed. Woodstock itself was not supposed to be a free concert. It it became a free concert, <laughs> and the story is pretty. It's pretty darn good there. So uh, uh, they had the business guys and they had the whatever. So what do you think a, a concert again adjusted for two thousand twenty three dollars? Like you want to go to one of those big Dallas shows mm-hmm. festivals? I'm talking three day festival. Come on down and use a porta potty and you know all this in Austin. It's ACL and San Antonio. Well, you're probably paying like a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars a ticket. Oh, dude, how do you always do this? I know. I swear we should go to Vegas for a three day pass. It's about hundred and fifty prepay. Was eighteen dollars? Like, did you know eighteen dollars in nineteen sixty nine? That's one hundred and fifty. <laughs> so anyway, so prepaid, prepaid eighteen dollars, and then for like a one day pass, that was two thousand twenty three dollars is like around sixty bucks. So yeah, they thought about fifty thousand people would show up, and how many people do you think actually showed up? Ninety thousand. Ninety thousand. Over easily over four hundred thousand. Holy Some shit! Est- yeah. Okay. Yeah. The locals were a little pissed. They were a little put out. So. <laughs> it's almost half a million. Mm, yeah. So there are there are some estimates that are over half a million, and there's other estimates that over half a million made it, and another half a million got stuck, like they went to Woodstock, the town, and uh, or um, it was one of the top ten traffic jams in the history of traffic jams ever people got out of their car and said i don't need that car i'm, I'm I, gonna i'm going to this rock concert man come on would you you know every time you when you talk about woodstock i just think of like wayne's world and then i also think of like rolling up and hearing hey joe being played yeah like oh my god no that's one of the that's one of the great ones. i know yeah so uh, i don't know also there was a very strict no drug policy there just oh, throughout the I bet they and, followed and it. everyone just said hey man i've got bongo drums i've got music i've got friendship there's friendship here mm-hmm. i don't need to why do i need i'm getting high on life that's pretty much the sentiment of the crowd did they have I drugs think, in 1969 they did you know it was a lot of huffing okay. they did uh they just would like spray paint um into the rag and they're like ah oh, so good um yeah the, the i'd say 90 the reports vary something like 90, 99% of the crowd had said, we're going to get high on life. Okay. And that's all we need. Yeah. And so there were a couple of bad apples. You know, how the story goes, there's a couple of bad apples. Oh, no, 3%. And they get, in, and they get <laughs> yeah, they get in there with their acid and they're, and they're getting hopped up on goofballs. And you know how those, you know how those bad apples They're probably do. not drinking British beer. <laughs> Are you, are you still have. are you still nursing that British beer? Oh. oh my god! I may or may not be enjoying life with a not British okay. beer right now. Good. The musicians had to be flown in with helicopters. That's how bad the roads were. 
the local Stewart Air Force Base for whatever reason. They're like, I guess because they were celebrities, they're like, I'll fly you to the concert, sir. Like, I couldn't show up to Air Force Base and be like, hey, man, traffic's bad. Can you get me to my job? <laughs> so, I'm Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know if you saw my amazing solo. Hang on. Are you a, are you a helicopter airplane pilot? Just breaks out his guitar, plays a solo. He's like, step on board, sir. That's what I need. <laughs> do you have do you so, have like a list of the bands that? Oh, do I? Yes. Oh, so I want to know this. Yeah. How about a list of what do you think the people to toilet ratio was at this uh, <laughs> six hundred six hundred acre farm, over four hundred thousand, maybe over five hundred. 500,000 people show up to this event. Hippies, dirty, dirty hippies. They probably have like six porta potties for every one person in total. Mm-hmm. Something like 600 to 800 people per one toilet. So, yes, the toilets did overflow. They had huge problems. Lots of people were, uh, uh, they, you know, they ran out of food or whatever. They had this organization called the hog farm collective that passed out granola. And then for the forever now, granola is like, Oh, hippies. The, uh, yeah, the toilets overflowed. And there was a joke that, that the, uh, dairy farmer wouldn't have to worry about fertilizing his farm at all. Only three people died. How about that? Okay. Glasses half full. Only three, two of those were overdoses, probably from heroin. And then one of them died from peyote. His mind was blown from Jimi Hendrix's solo. He was just like, I don't know what's happening. His mind, his physical bio, his mind melted. And everyone around him was like, I can't believe it's only one guy. Also, it was a 17 year old kid that fell asleep in a, uh, in a field nearby. He was, uh, crushed by a tractor. So there was at least two okay. deaths from OD and one death by a tractor. Tractor's not good. Whether you're doing seppuku by tractor, who knows? <laughs> like the, fan- the fanciest seppuku ever. And then uh, I'm pretty sure it's not seppuku, sukutu. And then there's uh, there was like 742 ODs, okay, ish, whatever. But only two of them died. And I, you know, I think glasses half full. You want to know about rock stars? I'm going to tell you about rock stars, my friend. You want to hear about genius music geniuses? Yes. How about Richie Havens. Um, Don't know. There was. Yeah. <laughs> How about Sweetwater? How about Joan Baez? Don't know. And when Joan, when Joan Baez played, you heard the worst. <laughs> you have to turn in your American card and go back to communist Russia. When Joan Baez played, uh, I think that was the first uh, first day of the festival. Six months pregnant, so she is a champ. So CCR was supposed to play on that first night, but they played just after midnight going into august 17 so you know ccr you love ccr CCR. then there was uh that first so these are the people that were booked for that first day there was the who and janice and grateful dead oh my god i'm not a grateful dead guy and for one of many reasons one of the songs grateful dead played and i I think it was only like a two or three hour set was 50 minutes long five zero (laughs) minutes long will someone please well i mean i'm sorry a lot of them have passed uh, and they have an ice cream or whatever. Yeah, no one. Uh, I say no one. You shouldn't like jazz band guys. No song should be that long. If that song is that long, it needs to be a, you know, Shostakovich or or Stravinsky or something like that. Anyway, all right. So great, grateful. I'm not grateful to that guy. Jefferson Air <coughs> Jefferson Airplane was there. Mm-hmm. Do you know the story of Jefferson Air- Airplane? I don't, but I know it goes something like this. There's Jefferson Airplane, 
and then there's Jefferson Starship, and then there's Starship, and then there's, I don't know, another band. There's like three or four bands that they keep breaking up. So Jefferson Airplane, it's kind of, I don't know if they have an airplane. That band fascinates me because of all the breakups and things they did. There's Janice. No, no further ex, uh, no further explaining needs for Janice. And then we're now we're into August 17. There's Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. All of them are there. You know, eventually they hated each other. But apparently, uh, I think um, was it Nash? One of them, Neil Young. He there was at least half of it where he just walked off stage. He's like, "I'm Neil Young. I don't need this shit." You know, that's, that's, whatever. So there was the band. There was Joe Crocker. There was Johnny Winter. And then we're getting into my favorite part: Monday, August the 18th. So Mon- August the 18th, the Monday was not supposed to happen. The bands got pushed. There was a lot of rain. There was a lot of mud. There was a love, man, love. And there was a you know one kid got ran over by a tracker. That's a yeah. That's not good. And then so it wasn't supposed to go into August 18, but it did. And on August 18, the best, the showstopper, the guy, the man, the legend, the one of the gods of rock and roll plays on that day. Who is it, John Esquire? Who is like who is Woodstock? You are you are Woodstock, sir. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, absolutely. And see behind me? Look at that. Oh, I got Jimi Hendrix. Yes. Art on my wall. Yes. Uh, I do. I, uh, hey, I made, I made Joe. I do. I did some rock. Yes. Hey, Joe. You know so Jimmy Hendrix plays. Man. Hey, man. It's, it's the 60s, man. Come on. It's Woodstock. When are you rocking out to Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock? Like midnight-ish? We're going to need the plutonium and go back in time and go to that oh, concert. Exactly. Use the plutonium. So because the show, again, the, the festival was not supposed to be into Monday, Jimi Hendrix played 8.30 in the morning on a Monday after a three-day hippie fest of hundreds of thousands of people in mud and muck and acid and heroin. And yeah, that is when the most famous, I I mean, there's like Elvis, the footage of Elvis on uh, Elvis on. uh, To me, he's number one. Like, so Jim, you're saying Jimi Hendrix 63, that is like the rock footage for you. Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say for that decade, for sure, for the '60s, for that era. I mean, yeah, I, I wish you, I wish it was like CCR and then Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix. Sure, no, they were both there. They CCR. were, yeah, but to see them, like, if they would have been back to back, hundred percent. Just had to wait like a day, a day and a half after a lot of mud and everything else. So uh, he plays with so much passion. Jimmy plays, and uh, yes, 8.30 a.m. on the Monday, and they were supposed to clear out. The The estimates were really, they varied. Some people said like 90% of everyone had left, and uh, there was only, there was only you know, 50,000 people there. Some people say there was only 100,000 people. The majority of people, it's Monday morning, man. People are going, even, even hippies yeah. back then were going back to work. So, but the most famous, I say the most famous, one of the most famous guitar solos, uh, more like famous, amazing, iconic, iconoclastic guitar, anything ever. That is when Jimmy played the national anthem oh. and and crushed it. So that is so that's a two hour set that Jimmy played, uh, Jimmy and the band, uh, starting eight thirty eight thirty a.m. after drugs and alcohol and sex and all that, and then the net the version that he plays three minutes and 43 seconds 
that is some of the best history of rock and roll footage ever anything ever of anyone ever touching a guitar ever that is it he got paid the most out of any of the other woodstock folk in 2023 money what did he get for his two hours of play including the national anthem that a lot of the conservative people in the country were like that is disgraceful that he did that that's horrible and now we're like that is one of the best best things in the history of anything ever so yeah sixty thousand. 60k well remember he got paid more than ccr ccr got 80 oh they got 80 for... maybe 125 mm-hmm. yeah very close one 150 is the is the estimate jimmy gets 150 for an 8 30 a.m show for a two-hour set three minutes and 43 seconds of that is the best thing in the history of rock and roll as well for the 60s at least probably 60 70s many many years old max yasker dairy farm guy how much money did he make 125 i'll say i'm sorry i think i put it in uh i think i put it in 1969 money for for old max there 250 yeah so he made 10k in 1969 money there's no way to calculate how much that is now no one knows it's, that, that's that very number cheap. is lost to the ages so uh that's a lot of money <laughs> lot of money for 1969k here i am watching and, uh, the actual live star spangled banner <laughs> unfortunately mr max yasker he lost over 50k in damage in 1969 money not 50k now in damage to his uh his dairy farm he almost lost the farm entirely from all the from all the damage and so uh, he was a real trooper and then i think they interviewed him like a year later or whatever and he just very politely dairy farmer was like i don't think i'm gonna be doing any more concerts i think i think i'm done with that it's it really seemed that he was very composed very polite and then and then someone said hey try this british beer and he was just he he hulked out he burst out of his shirt he was just like this is the worst ever there was a, a huge mishaps there the county declared a state of emergency there was a threat of the national guard the governor for New York at that time, a gentleman named Nelson Rockefeller. <laughs> Maybe you've ever heard of him. I've heard so, of Rockefellers. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, he's 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 part of all of that. I'm gonna throw in an aside. Do you know the largest concert in the history of concerts ever in terms of people? You know, not not festivals. I mean, festivals or whatever, but just concerts. Uh, Five hundred thousand people, eight hundred thousand people. Just a one. Hey, man, we're gonna go watch this band. Do you want to come with me and my so many friends? I have no idea. Metallica played Russia and they got 1.3, 1.6 million people over a million people went to go see that. That is the biggest out of anything I've ever heard about ever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's plenty of Metallica songs I like and everything, but at no point in my life would it be like, Hey man, do you want to go stand in line on these porta potties at this Metallica show for uh, there's only a, a little over a million people there. Can I get into movie time now? Can we do that? Uh, let's take a quick break. Quick, quick break, man. Good choice. Quick break, and then we're going to come back. And this movie is it's one of the best ever in the history of movies. All right. Shen Esquire. We are going to talk about one of my favorite movies 
in the history of movies. Absolutely my favorite 80s movie. If you were a man. Big. Or... <laughs> Big? That's a, it's good a great choice. movie. It's, it's all, I don't know what your uh, uh, love affair is with uh, Tom Hanks. We don't have to have Tom Hanks on every episode, every, every yeah, reference. You know. Big is up there. It's, it is a solid 80s movie. I will, I will give you that. But I'm talking about the best of the best. For all of the 80s movies. Bloodsport. Uh, <laughs> again, top three, easily. No one who's gonna who's gonna debate that? No one is. I'm John talking about Red Dawn. I am talking oh. about Red Dawn, not Chuds, and not big Red Dawn, not Tootsie, everyone. All right. Those they all have their time and place. I, I love that Sean Esquire doesn't know what Tootsie is. Red Dawn, 1984, August the 10th, 1984. The best Great movie year, by the out, way. Of the, out of the 80s. And holy mackerel, first and foremost, right out of the gates, I want to give a shout out a shout out to Brandon Herrera. Brandon Herrera, you, you probably don't know us. I mean, I feel like we have friends of friends. Brandon Herrera, he's a YouTube dude. He's, uh, he's friends, or at least he knows the black rifle coffee people sean and i have Woo. spoken about their product yeah shout out to them delicious coffee and great great marketing brandon herrera has a show a youtube show he's a gun builder re- okay. and uh, gun builder reacts to red dawn i got a few red dawn facts from him that i want to do right out of the gates regarding all oh, of our friends just that for those who don't know red dawn is about uh russia invading the united states there you go. Yeah. I mean, we, we can do synopsis Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Russia invades the United States and a group of high schoolers called the Wolverines fight mm. them off. Well, yeah, the mascot in their high school was Wolverine. So then they, they call themselves the Wolverines when they engage in guerrilla warfare against these Soviet bastards. I can say that because Soviets, that's not a country anymore, right? Oh, yeah. That whole thing has died. Hands so. down. Yeah. If you were a kid in the 80s, Sean Esquire, Sean Esquire was in diapers in the 80s. If you were a kid with a bicycle in the 80s and you would go hang out with your friends and there was no internet, you had a real childhood, a regular childhood, then you would get with your friends uh, and then you would go around your little town and you would say, when the the Russians come, I'm going to hide out over there. My dad has a bunch of hunting rifles. I'm going to go under that brand, under Mm -hmm. those bushes there and i'll be ready when the russians so we all had a plan we and then and then red dawn came out and we're like we're not the only ones planning for the russians to you know just come in and and invade the u.s like they did with 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 ukraine well they're you know their their resources are stretched right now with the whole ukraine debacle and everything like that and so yeah which is why i said we should have like invaded from the east at the same time all the resources from the west side much of a landmass and everything else they have it could, it could have been west alaska i mean i'm very happy about the alaska thing we got we got that going for us uh sarah Payne says she, she can see russia from her back porch <laughs> or whatever so uh special shout out to brandon herrera's youtube guy I, I watched your page i stumbled upon your page because i was looking for red dawn stuff and this guy is a gun builder badass he made me aware that the AK-74 at that time, so those were in Russia. It was the 1984. AK-47? No, no, no. This is the AK-74. So this is... Oh, 74 you This is, the, this is 1984. So all of the Russian weapons that you see in Red Dawn, none of those are Russian weapons, all right? They had to be Hollywoodized, 
Hollywood revamped. So the uh, AK-74 used to have that. So they used AKMs. These, uh, I, man, those AKMs, they look pretty badass. And they made them look like the the, uh, AK-74s. But they they threw in a like a triangle folding stock and the seven six two brake lights. They couldn't get the RPK, so they used the Finnish Volmet M seventy eight. That one also looked like it needs to go on my list. There was a Russian Diska, so they used the M sixty. So that big gun that um, I don't know if it's the girl from uh, Dirty Dancing or the other girl from uh, Ferris Bueller, Sean Esquire. You've seen Red Dawn recently, right? Uh, no oh my god why do you make it make so hard for me to love you i don't know it's gone <laughs> i it's real it's horrible so yeah there's uh there's the girl from dirty dancing is in this and there's the girl from the oh. girl from uh ferris bueller's day off also in this jennifer gray and the other one um probably, oh she's in yeah, fast no she's in uh the uh back to the future she's fast in the back to the future movie oh raya johnson she's the mom she is the uh, mom from back to the future you just made about all right you know what man i can't actor no william smith yeah. uh actually is a uh, he so he's russian colonel uh strovanov strovakov in the movie badass actor badass dude but by the way does it sound like his russian is okay in the movie because it is he's cia he is uh he worked for cia and he worked as a russian interrogator in real life his russian is immaculate he is a badass he's also like the heavy duty fighter guy and uh he's in a clean eastwood movie where he fights clean eastwood i don't know if it's better uh which way from, uh better which way mars I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone. I don't know every Clint Eastwood movie. Clint Eastwood, not Tarantino. What's wrong with you? Why did you? Okay. So then also there. Grand Torino. That's what I was thinking of. There is. He was in that. Well, Clint Eastwood was in that. He was fighting William Smith, famous actor in another movie. Uh, I don't know if he's Jed, uh, I say Jed. (laughs) Apatow? So Jed and Maddie are the brothers. uh, And then... uh, um they uh the movie at the worst part in real life negative 30 degrees negative 40 degrees patrick swayze was jed he got frostbite on his fingers there was also uh this movie was called the most violent movie uh it got uh, i think the guinness mm-hmm. book of world records got involved they have some dumb number like acts of violence not actual murders right so there's 2.23 acts of violence per minute through the movie the movie was also this is the first feature film for charlie sheen the cast as we've spoken about with other movies they took a full eight weeks to do a green beret training cramp training camp they did that that's a... all right just like saving private Ryan. that one was a little bit more involved i think spielberg is pretty good but speaking of spielberg your timing is immaculate this is the first film ever that got a pg-13 rating that made it into theaters. There was another one that got the rating, but it didn't get off the shelf in time. So Red Dawn first, this is Red Dawn 1984, the one that matters. We don't need to talk about the 2000, 2012 Wait, one. So this was the first movie that got, mm-hmm. they got released. There was another one that got it before it, but it didn't get released. It, sh- it sat on the shelf. And the- so what, 
the star fighting movie part of the reason why was uh because spielberg had put out gremlins and he put out uh indiana jones temple of doom i think and those so this is those were before the pg-13 those were pretty graphic or bloody or whatever that they said oh well it's not r but it's not pg so back in the olden days they only had pg and r and whatever else and then so red dawn was the first one that got pg-13 specifically because spielberg having all the spielberg powers that he had back then he was like hey hey, hey." he told the entire movie corporation people hey we need we need Mm -hmm. you know pg's great yay butterflies and flowers r is great hey there's gore everywhere we need a pg-13 so spielberg made that happen so the whole space wars movies were like pg the the you know mm-hmm. with the um go ahead say whatever the, thing that you want to say and you want to make me mad because i'm a star wars nerd and i not mm-hmm. Voldemort. what's his name Voldemort. dark vader like the whole they yeah the whole, they like, called him space Voldemort back then that's so yeah that was a if you PG watched movie? any of the star wars movies from 1977 the original that's one, it i would yeah. dare anyone to say what is the what is the r what is the there's no swearing that is good wholesome american fun even though i know a lot of it was filmed in england and uh so uh yes the original star wars movies there was not a lot of swearing and not of uh, a lot of like oh my my tits fell out of my outfit that's true they they just shot each other with space blazers Blazers. and a lot of blazers involved well and then you didn't know back then the storm were the stormtroopers men or they were just robots i mean no one knew back then you were a kid you're like oh the stormtroopers it's probably a robot that got blasted and you're like oh you can just cut the head off a robot because it's 1980 yeah and uh yeah no one's going to be fighting for the uh, the rights of the robot red dawn 1984 I'll tell you, in the early scenes, oh my God, I'm very upset. Everyone with all of my heart and soul, if you have not watched this movie in a while, go watch it. Stop what you're doing when we get done. Like, don't stop now. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) No, you you don't don't miss all this. I'm going to give you what you need to know. Um, As as I've said, the best movie out of the 80s, for sure, absolutely. In the in the early oh, scenes, the Russians paratroop in. Spoiler alert: Russians paratroop in. Right, they're basically like Sean Esquire was spoiling before my spoiler alert about uh, the Russians invading the U.S. in cahoots. Spoiler alert with the Cubans, and then so in re- again IRL and Sean Esquire that stands for in real life, and then so in oh. real life IRL, what happened was that they had all these um, paratroopers coming in for the movie. Right, these actors are. Four or five of them got blown off course, like a mile, like a mile off course. But my favorite one is one of them got blown off course into the trees, and he is dressed. It's 1984. <laughs> Wait, so yeah, in real in real life, it's 1983. It's 1983. This dude is dressed like a Russian paratrooper. And he probably has a fake gun on him, and he is strung up in a tree outside of. Um, I think they filmed in New Mexico and outside of Vegas, that whole area. Anyway, so he has to tell these people, hey, my name is Frank Johnson. I am a love America and I'm dressed like a Russian and I'm, I'm strung up in this tree <laughs> like a paratrooper. And uh, I'm like, I'm not invading America. I'm not Russian at all. I promise you. So, yeah, one of those dudes in particular 
the local people were like, we're not cutting this guy down. He's that's a real <laughs> thing that happened. Yeah. And then also this is uh, the 20th highest grossing movie of 1984. The CIA got involved and why the CIA got involved was because they saw the tanks being driven around LA and CIA was like, what the hell is going on? So they went into the production company and the production company was like, Oh, this is a bunch of cardboard. Like this is Hollywood. CIA was like, Oh, we, we never knew. We don't know. We don't know how Hollywood works. There's no CGI at all. Zero CGI. All the explosions are real. And flash forward to when Saddam Hussein was captured for the, for that mission to, to get Saddam Hussein and pull him out of that spider hole and all that. That mission was called Red Dawn, and some of the units involved were the Wolverines. Famous, famous quote from the movie. Yeah, wow. that's a real thing. When they got Saddam Hussein, then that mission was Red Dawn. So amazing, amazing. Also, there was a there's a famous guy, Captain Dale Dye, D Y E, was involved on this. He did a lot of the military consulting. So in, in real life, Captain Dale Dye, he did military consulting for this movie. For a little movie called saving private ryan for a number of movies yeah oh. one of my favorite uh shana square can we take a minute and just recognize the genius of the um of the music the composer basil okay. or basil polidurius who also did the music for conan the barbarian and so yeah when you have a movie and there's certain movies that the music and the movie they're married you know, like Goodfellas, Godfather, Red Dawn. When you think of Red Dawn, you hear that music. And so he is an unsung hero, just an amazing composer. I love movie comp- composers, Danny Elfman, um, John Williams, all, all this, the uh, Basil Polidolius, amazing. We don't talk, like I said, we don't talk about 2012 Red Dawn. And then the... Um, uh, there's a bunch of connections there, like The Outsiders, and then Patrick Swayze worked with uh, Jennifer Grey to do Dirty Dancing and all the rest of it. One of the best movies ever. If you haven't seen Red Dawn, shame on you. I am moving on to Things Beyond the World. Sean Esquire? Um, moon? <laughs> you betcha the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a sound effect for that and be like out of this world let me tell everyone why i'm not letting this one go and obviously all the things are brought up from last time i'm like dr Blum loves the well movie. i love space stuff i love science stuff i love space stuff and then originally that this had started with just the mars rovers because we were doing just basic this week in history shout out mm-hmm. if you don't want to know about history stuff i don't know why you sound your History horn, you're the long version. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we covered amazing things on uh, on the regarding the moon. It was, again, we went from the moon rover, the Mars rovers, and then went and then it was the moon rovers, and then here we are now. And I'm not apologizing for any of this. We've come up to the Chinese moon, Chinese moon uh, goddess, and her name is her name oh, is. Yeah. Uh, Chang, Changge, Chang, Chang, Changge, C H A N G E, Changge. That's the Chinese moon goddess. 
We're talking. We're talking about. Oh, interesting. Change named after what we talked about before. The I mean, we're not. Game. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think the transfer uh, translation is like shakes down exactly like that. This is. Uh, we've okay. covered previous missions, so I'll start. A, I'll talk about the fifth. This is the Change fifth mission. This is uh, the moon from China. And, and again, we're not here to talk about the Chinese moon goddess. I'm just saying Chang'e, that is, that means the Chinese moon goddess. And then, so this is back in December of 2020. Then uh, they, they land the probe on moon, on the moon, everyone. If I say Mars, I mean the moon. Okay. And then, so there's, this is a, this is a beast, by the way. This is an eight ton probe. It's getting in there. It's really like. Yeah. Oh. Don't care for that. I mean, for again, okay, so this is China's China's report about their probe or whatever. Who knows, a ton, maybe, maybe not, maybe not a ton. And then they drill, right? So they get it in there. They're just drilling, and then they get something like sixty-one ounces of material, and then they blast off, and they go to the moon, and then they have a, you know, they they send down the the probe guy, and then he is drilling, and then he and then he blasts off from the moon. And goes back up to the, he ascends up to the uh, up to the um, orbiter guy, and then uh, he goes to the he goes to the orbiter guy. It's a it's an orbiter guy is what he is, and then he's um he's he's going back to Earth, but not before. Guess what? That moon mission from China, they put up a flag, man. That's the first China flag they put in. They put in the moon, like oh, but here's the thing: there's no there's no people on that mission. There's no humans, like a robot. Does it even it doesn't count? You can't put a flag, no. right? You can't put a flag on the moon. You don't have a Buzz Aldrin. I'm a robot. Like, oh no, 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 we we had Buzz and and Neil and the whole the whole gang there. Let's send Buzz back because <laughs> he's ninety three. <laughs> yeah, he's like I'm married to a Can do whatever he wants at ninety three. I don't I don't care if you're on the moon or whatever. If you're ninety three and you're like kicking over the Chinese flag, even on the moon, even China has to be like, he's 93, man. What are you going to do? You're not going to, are you going to yell at the guy? You yeah. can't yell at him. He's in space force. He's kicking shit war over hero astronaut buzz. Right. So then, uh, then the Chinese thing, you know, puts his flag and they come back to earth in December, 2020. And then uh, guess what's going on right now? Sean Esquire. This is, uh, cause they probed the, they drilled into the moon. Groundbreaking insights are happening right now, huh? Did you, did you get that? Oil, no. oil. No. They're mm. after oil. Appreciate no. Stop what you're doing. I want you to appreciate the fact that they did, <laughs> they did groundbreaking into the moon, and I made a groundbreaking. You know what, man? I don't have to explain everything that I do to you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you. This was the first. Uh, That's the first lunar sample. From the moon since the Soviets back in 1776. That's the Luna 24 mission. And from those samples from Chang'e 5, this is the China. Mm-hmm. Here is where things really get great. I say great. I, I mean, like I got sucked into all of this in the major way. So they found glass beads, glass particles, whatever. Yeah, so this is the stuff brought back from 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 the Chinese mission in 2020, the, the Chang, the Chang. So the glass beads are like glass particles inside of those. They found water. So we talked about last time, like what's going on? Why is everybody going back to the moon? Why is everybody, you know, 
what do we say? 14, 15 different countries all gunning for the moon within the next 24 months. When you break down the amount of water. So why are they so excited? Mm-hmm. China, China, yes. so water? China finds, we have a ton of find water. these glass. China finds these glass particles, glass beads, right? Inside of those, there's water. This is from the moon. And then, so now they're looking at what they found, the surface of the moon, all of that, because they only brought from that mission, what was it, something like 61 ounces of material or whatever. And the the, the uh, groundbreaker thing, I think it went as far as about one meter deep. Then they say now, uh, then, then they say now, so now they're saying uh, it's around... 200,000 kilograms of water per metric ton of the surface of the moon. Who knows? I mean, they, I mean, they're basing that on, on that one mission or, or whatever. So here is where it gets really interesting. So last episode, I said there's 14, 15 different missions planned, you know, from countries and private organizations, private funding to go to the moon in the next 24 months. Uh, we talked about India is going to land there in the next week or so, whatever, whatever you want to believe from India. And then the Russians, the Russians are going to land there in the next week. So Russia and India, we talked about last episode, they're in a dead heat for the moon right now. A lot of people, I say a lot, pretty much everyone is gunning for the South pole from the Chinese mission that I say the, the, the China mission from 2020, they found another crystal glass bead collection scattered through all of their 61 ounces of material that they brought back. And there's concern. Well, I say concern. There's isolated phosphate minerals, right? And, and this is the, uh, the big to do is that they said we have a new material new to humankind and they named it Chengsonite. Why? Yeah, this is the sixth new material to be found by humans since the Apollo 69 mission. I'm guessing they mean the sixth new material lunar-wise or out of space-wise because there's there's always these isotopes that they find that they they add to the periodic table elements and they say, oh, well, this thing only exists for like 0.5 nanoseconds or whatever. But anyway, this is uh, from Chingy Phi samples. They may be billions of years younger than the U.S. and they, they may be billions of years younger than the Soviet samples because U.S. Soviet samples go back into the Apollo missions in the 60s and 70s. And the moon itself doesn't really have a magnetic field. And so this is when you really get into which one do you want to know first, Sean Esquire? Do you want to know why is everyone gunning for the south pole of the moon? Or do you want to know why is the moon? I say south pole first. The reason why the South Pole has become so popular is because of the lay of the land and the canyons. The heat and the beaches. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, no, you're right. There's water. So yeah. they, they, yeah, there's water within the, um, the crystal. The first thing that you need for a mission to get out of earth, whatever, is going to be water. What's in those crystals, maybe phosphate. So phosphate's very handy for plant life. You want to start growing plant life. And then the third thing is, like I, I talked about the, the topography of the land, like if there's high mountains, you can put um, lunar missions to shield yourself from the horrible sun, from the moon, and everything like that. Those are those are the biggest things regarding everyone gunning for the South Pole. So here's what you have in the last few years of the moon, right? Never mind the fact that we all the, the world gave up on the moon back in 1976 with the supposedly. With, here's my with, theory on all this, mm-hmm. Doctor Blom. Yes. 
they have taken these sandals and said, oh, we found this. My thinking is the U.S. is like four decades ahead of everybody. And we're like, oh, we're going to plant this here and let them find it. Like it's something new. There's like 15 better moons that they don't even like. They're just like, oh, no, don't go to the moon. And then China and India and Russia, they're like, we better, we better get over there. The yeah. Americans said, don't go. Yeah, we've, and then we, we've been there. We we're on the we're it. on the real one. We've we're sucked like, it. Beyond. Yeah, for all the it's. What are you worried about? Three dimensions, four dimensions. What are you? Are you guys still doing four dimensions? We're on like the fifteenth dimension right now. Oh my god. We split the atom back in the nineteen forties. What do you? Yeah. What do you think we're doing now? I'm not. So, yeah. No. So the big, you know, I say the big, the big story, the things that the U.S. press is not covering. Russia is going there right now. India is going there right now. China has so many missions. Everyone <laughs> else, all the, all those, all those people that we talked to, all those organizations from the last episode, we talked about that. So there's, you know, pr- pretty much proven that there's water there. There's pretty yeah, much proven that there's phosphate there. there. But the yeah, we we put it there. Oh. You, you guys are oh India, Russia, China. You're playing right into our hands. You guys exactly. keep going to the keep going to the moon. Spend all spend your whole GDP on the moon. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> we we got you. <laughs> and then um, so the one of the bigger things is helium three. This is the big big makes you laugh online. really loud. So the Earth has magnetic field, very significant magnetic field. The moon, not so much, not really a magnetic field though. So because of that, you can mine elements that the earth either A, doesn't have, or B, it has, but they're very difficult to obtain. They're very difficult to mine, things like that. Helium-3, there's a lot of conversation online about how easy it is to get on the moon because of the lack of magnetic field, but also that it's going to usher in the new age of We've talked about nuclear fission mm-hmm. with Oppenheimer. This is nuclear fusion. Nuclear fusion, everyone, you might know it better as the process that powers the sun. That's what the sun, the sun is nuclear fusion. Nuclear fusion is great because it doesn't create all this radioactive waste like Chernobyl and everything else. So there's a lot of conversations online about helium three, how much of it is on the moon, we're all going, I say we all, you know, 14, 15 countries are trying to get to the South Pole moon right now. It has water. The amount of elements, I'm talking about high dollar elements. I'm talking about why are all these countries spending billions of dollars to get to the moon? It's there. This was the big, the big to do from last episode to now is now I know this is why China, India, Russia, everyone trying to get to the moon. There's water there. Go to the South Pole because of the lay of the land. And number three, oh, by the way, there's billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, worth of resources there, like possibly helium three, all of these 16, 17 different rare earth elements. They call them rare earths. They're not rare. They're just very, very difficult to extract from the earth in order to make magnets. The real magnets that the military uses, things like that. China has about a 80 percent, 85 percent hold on the market of the rare earths, the the minerals, the elements, there's 16, 17 of them that, um, that you need to make all that U S doesn't have that. So that's why the moon race has gotten so out of control and so out of hand. And I expect 
little to no press regarding the moon race, but I expect the countries to keep uh, the countries. I say the countries that um, actually have the budget. I mean, India doesn't have a huge budget. They're going to the moon next week or they're up, they're up there right now. Yeah. Well, those are the biggest things. That's what's going on moon wise. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else in history. I do. I do want to say, um, we, uh, episode 20 sean esquire oh yeah you see that well, it wouldn't be an episode if my if uh, my dog was in inter- interrupting so, <laughs> your dog your, your dog interrupts too my 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 guy he's a he's a good boy he's a good guard dog episode 20 it's a huge benchmark from milestone for us. milestone yes. huge milestone thank you for everyone that if you're new to uh to our our podcasting if you have been with us from day one we we love you yeah, just as much as everyone else. And I'm going to say this, like we've gotten several hits around the world. A lot of Belgians, Germans, mm-hmm. uh, a few British, I understand. Um, Latvia. Yeah, I, I, give, I give them a hard time about their beer. That's okay. Yeah. And maybe 18, maybe when the time they, they burn down the White House, that's about it. <laughs> Latvia, uh, listeners in Latvia, listeners in uh, South Africa listeners in like all over the world dr blom so we had no idea everyone we did this as two guys that that love beer and food and music and history and we just said hey man we're gonna we're gonna go out and uh and give it give it a try and then uh here we are we've we've got 20 episodes under our belt we've learned a lot we love everyone that has listened in and uh and we're gonna Hopefully, you're gonna keep learning a lot, not not uh, not make a beer hundred years ago and then never improve on it. So. <laughs> uh, other than that, Dennis Quare, I don't I don't have much beyond that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doctor Blom. Oh. Um, have a fantastic trip. I'm gonna try yeah. to get everything done while you're gone. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. And... There's no there's no rush. Shannon Squire is is a uh, is very easily into beer and whiskey mode, and this is his oh, golden. I really hope that I'm going to sign off here in a little bit, and he's going to just contribute like another three hour Shannon Squire spoken word. He's going to help you figure out life and love and justice and humanity and all of the things that make life worth living. Yeah, I'm going to tell you how a prostate works. <laughs> <laughs> That's more of that's more of like a sock puppet now, sort of visual on, or on that note, reach out to us. We're on the X, formerly known as Twitter. Email us doclawpodcast at gmail.com. Um we've got some great upcoming episodes, but we'd love to hear from our fans and maybe at some point get some of our fans in touch with us, Dr. Blom. Mm-hmm. Please reach out. We have an email, we have the whole shebang. Doc D O C Law Podcast at gmail.com or at Doc Law Podcast. Is that it? You yeah, that's it. You don't do you like, don't have to put like a else. Doc Twitter? Do you do a Doc Twitter? No, that's it. Just a at Doc, but you're on Twitter or you're on X yeah. and then you do an at Doc D O C Law Podcast dot. That's it. There's whatever. no dot. No, no. So there, uh, oh, there was no dot. Find, okay. a, find a great beer in Europe. Dr. Lom, and uh, oh. send me a case of it so we can review. I will be I will be investigating a lot. Thank you, everyone. Episode 20. 
Hey, man, we made it. That's hey, good. That's good. All right, Shana Square, I love you. You're the best. And everyone, we will talk to you very soon.